0: Sump City Radio, a Necromunda podcast, is best listened to with headphones for maximum quality and effect. The show may contain profanity and mature content not suitable for Jews under the age of 14. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Signal broadcast. Okay, just patching into the network now. Yeah, it's weak, but it'll do the trick. Sup, Sup. City Hello, listeners, and welcome to another. Hold, oh, oh, hold, oh, we're, we're losing the signal a bit. Just, just the aerial. Hang on. <coughs> It'd be easier
2: if you weren't on horseback, though.
1: Uh, Actually, a fun fact, whilst these creatures are often mistaken for metal horses, they are actually part of a canid family, so they're more closely related to cybermastiffs, technically speaking, than horses. Fascinating.
2: Though I'd have happily stayed with the quad bike, it is a shame that we had to trade it to a Martian prospect for these great beasts. If only someone hadn't uh, angered a tribe of nomads and caused them to chase us out of the Cinderack crater.
1: It was a genuine mistake, Chris. Look, I I thought that the nomad I was uh, speaking to spoke the language of house Thai, which I have been learning recently uh, from the way that he was dressed. So when I said, Nenro wa doko de kaigumasuka, and I thought I was asking him where I can get fuel for the quad but apparently it sounded very close to something offensive in the nomadic dialect, uh, at least according to the Hivescum Gerbs nomadic phrase book.
2: Yeah, resulting in us getting a small bounty place on our heads for inciting a nomad warband.
1: Uh, look, when we reach the Temple of the Nine Graces, we can just grab some credits from the SCR Roadshow cargo hauler and then just head to the local trading post and remove the bounty.
2: And how far from said temple do you think we are now?
1: I reckon uh, when we get to the top of that sand dune over there, we'll be able to see it. So, tell you what, whilst we're doing that and heading over there, why don't you tell the listeners what you've been up to in our downtime on the tour so far?
2: Right, okay, so yeah, I've um, been playing with the Nomads, I've built a flying uh, dust dustback for my custom Stormcaller, which I'm... I've yet to build, yes. uh, and I invented a way to make transparent wings for, uh, well, for anything really. I'll put a video up on YouTube if anyone's interested in how to do it. Um, Go
1: check out the channel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, don't push, don't chill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, uh,
2: having fun doing kind of uh, more decorative bases it's it's nice to actually be putting sand and deep oil onto a base as opposed to just painting up the pre-molded stuff that we've been using for necromunda all this time so yeah uh, i've made uh the land speeder kind of thing out of half of a, a reaver jet bike and then i've built like a custom kind of hot rod engine and grill for the front of it with Cool, like bespoke um, exhaust pipes coming off. The oh, back is that of the... the
1: Vansar one you've been working? On?
2: Well, I, initially I was making it for Vansar, and as I've kind of as it's taken shape, I think it's probably going to go for either Escher or Delac, depending on what takes my fancy, basically. Nice. Yeah, and I'll build something else for my Vansar. But no, having a lot of fun just messing around with styrene, really. Um, yeah, not much else besides. To be honest, mate, I've just been kind of plodding on, done a couple of videos, put them up, um, and yeah, just putting little bits of toys together. I've been uh, working part time recently, so that's kind of taken all of the the fuel out of my tank. To be honest, so while yeah. I'm readjust to that, and then I'll get back on it. But um, is, that, is
1: that where I've been seeing you selling the uh, some city radio merch to the people in the towns we've been passing through? Yeah,
2: basically, just to kind of. Just to keep the the wolf from the door, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, um, slug titty radials. I've been doing the (laughs) knockoff stuff so that I keep the entire amount.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah, what about yourself, man?
1: Me? Um, It's been a bit of a weird mix, actually, and I'm not sure how much I can talk about it. I don't know if I mentioned in the last broadcast that uh, there is going to be a SumpCon 2, uh, Promethean Boogaloo. And uh, it's been a case of trying to get some details for that ironed out because as soon as we mentioned it there were people asking for tickets straight away and it's like I'm not sure we're quite at the point of uh, releasing tickets yet we want to get some details nailed down so I don't want to spoil anything by sort of saying what I've been doing that but I have been playing play but I have been play testing. Uh, some of the scenario ideas and uh, working out what we're going to be doing for things with that which also ties into some painting and building that I've been doing as well Um, Oh, something else that happened, uh, the uh, local campaign that I was playing in uh, has come to an end and uh, unsurprisingly, I was right near the bottom. The nerd girls did not do very well. Lesson I have learned from this campaign is when you're creating a gang in your mind, it's all very well going with all the fluff for, for this really badass concept, but unless you can back that up with a decent build that's reasonably um, well thought out, it's not going to get you anywhere. I went entirely fluff with the list, and as a result, I suffered for it. <laughs> but oh it was it was still fun anyway and we got people playing again and I think that was the most important thing from it.
2: Were you playing against other people who were also playing fluff or were you coming across some kind of...
1: Oh, a complete mix um, as you generally tend to get in a standard kind of campaign really. So yeah, there were people that were playing for fluff and then there was like the fluff lights with a more optimized list and then there were people that were going yep, this is fully optimized. So uh, yeah, it was a broad spectrum of player base on that one. Yeah uh so in addition to that uh yeah just been been building uh, a lot more models uh, some of which we'll actually be able to talk about today <laughs> so um yeah and let's not spoil that and we'll we'll talk about that later on so but that's basically been it for me it's, it's a much shorter list oh my I, my airbrush died sadly um, so that, that's a bit of a pain because I had some really big models that I wanted to get painted up and I can't now, well I can, uh, thankfully we're, we're at the time of year where it's uh, nice and warm out so uh, getting the old rattle cans is uh, going to be the way forward I think for me for now until I can afford a decent airbrush
2: Yeah I've never had one um, so I guess I can't mourn what I've never had but yeah they do look like a decent bit of kit but it's just that initial investment to get like a half decent one It's it's just a bit rich for me at the minute, to be fair, so...
1: Well, I've got to say, I think the the advice that I I would give on that, Chris, is if you've not used one before, just buy a really, really cheap one or get someone to get you one for your birthday or something, uh, because that's what happened in my case. And uh, just try that, because, yes, okay, it, it wasn't the quality of it left something to be desired but the the point is is that it got me using it and learning the sort of basics of it and even to the point because I had to clean it so religiously because it's not that great I got to understand how it all functioned and everything so well worth getting a basic one just to sort of get you going with it and the added advantage is of course especially uh, in the the country that we live in um, when the weather gets crap you can still paint indoors because they've not got the the, the aerosol in there Um, so that's pretty much been it for me as well what's next Uh, What's next? Um, well, how uh, we can tell people what's coming up on the show. Um, so, yeah, in which case, thank you, the music. All of our show associates get a broadcast off this time around, what with this being a special broadcast for the release of the Book of the Outlands. So, after the break, you'll be back with me and Chris in the comfort of our air conditioned, portable Rich Hauler studio as we see what's hot in the hive. After a tune, we'll be shooting the shit as we talk about Book of the Outlands. Followed by your letters, thank yous, and announcements. Nice! <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> well, there it is over there, the Temple of the
1: Graces. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Right, excellent. Right, in which case, then, hey, hey Chris, say cheese. Cheese! Right then, listeners, uh, we're going to get to the temple and pay off this bounty, ASAP. Uh, when you hear from us next, we should be back in the comfort of the S.E.R. tour truck. Uh, but first up, if you're listening on Spotify, it'll be a tune. Come on then, Chris, I will race you the rest of the way. Yeah! Right, did fucking head start or what? Come on.
0: I know you're going to dig this. You're listening
1: to Sump City Radio.
0: Oh no,
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome back. Uh, up next is Hot in the Hive.
0: Hot in the Hive. This segment is lit.
1: For those of you who are new to the show, Hot in the Hive is our segment where we discuss all the latest releases, leaks, community works, articles, blog posts, videos, and podcasts that we have seen since the last broadcast from Some City Radio. So, first off. <laughs> This one uh we When we did the last broadcast we uh, had to re-record because there were so many articles dropping so quickly that by the time we'd recorded the last section for Hot in the Hive there was more news so as you'll have heard in the last episode we added that into your letters at the end of the show and then as we recorded that they dropped more (laughs) so it had to roll over to the next episode because we'd have been there until well past the release of uh, the ash waste box set for this so this was a b- fairly big one though in case of uh how important it is for the game uh we had the april 2022 necromunda errata update um so released on the 29th of april so only just about coming in under that header there was that and we also had the um online trading post
2: yeah um and the kind of how to adapt into ash wastes that was all part of the errata and faq wasn't it it was like yes. yeah so yeah thanks for that jw really cool obvious <laughs> on on the plus side they gave me cutter grav- uh, champions so <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> yeah take yeah, with one cool. hand
2: and give with the other so
1: i think everyone's kind of uh pleased by the clarification on that because now we know for a fact that we get all the prospect champs uh, that are going to be sort of upgraded throughout a campaign, they do actually keep their gear. So that applies to things like the Wreckers as well.
2: Yeah, nice Jump Pack Arms Master or uh, Grav Cutter Archaeotech just create and have it across the board. I mean, you've got to get them there in the first place, which is no mean feat. But yeah, it's really nice to have a, an official ruling on that, because it was kind of uh
1: it was such It was such a thing. Everybody it drawn really the line was.
2: in the sand, hadn't they? And it was like, no, you're wrong. There's no way they can. No, they definitely do. Yeah. But it's it, It's the conviction with which people like lay their argument out. It's like, you don't know until it's official. You don't know. I don't know. But you don't know either. But yeah, it's him who speaks loudest. Yeah.
1: You know it's a thing when it ends up in a Becky Boom segment. You know what I well, we Exactly. Mean. It's, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so there was that. Um, So, yeah, by all means, go check out that. What was also quite nice was that as part of that, we actually had some of the basic Necromunda rules released as part of the PDF.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was a a nice little package when you put it all together, definitely.
1: Especially if you're, like, looking at... like just like hopping straight into ash waste it means that you don't necessarily need to have access to the old rule book beforehand so you can kind of kind of hop on board um with the book that's about to drop the outlanders one because you've got the vehicle rules in that and then you've got the basic rules for just using uh, models full stop so you probably could cobble something together there
2: definitely sounds like a workable solution for people who just want to check it out absolutely
1: uh, then we had the pre-orders post go up for the Ash Wastes, the Nomads, the Orlock Bikes and the Nomad Cards. And I think we had the uh, Orlock Vehicle Cards in on that one as well, which I, I didn't note down here. But that was April 30th that we had that go up in Warhammer communi- uh, Community. We then had uh, the Warhammer Fest Online reveal go up for 6th of May, um, which was the Squats, uh, which we'll be talking about later on as well. But that was a nice interesting one to get.
2: Yeah, I think um just nice to see the uh, it isn't just 40k getting the hands on squats so yeah, made a lot of uh, Necromunda players very happy and obviously a lot of them very unhappy because a lot of them are just permanently very unhappy so
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well true um, but uh, the thing about that is that we've already had a squat living amongst us for quite some time haven't we uh, the bounty hunter one.
2: Oh yeah and an ammo jack as well so yeah, oh, yeah a- Grendel Grendelson I think is the that was it, bounty yeah. hunter isn't it
1: so um, so we've, we've been familiar with them for a fair while, but then we've had, yeah, so the 40k equivalent, which was, what was it, the League of Votan or Vohan, something like that? Votan, yeah. Votan. Um, so uh, hopefully we're going to be getting some more stuff for them coming out as well uh, for Necromunda. We had the 16th of May as well, which was again an update on the Squats, giving us a little bit more of a, a taste of what to expect uh, from the weapons and equipment that they've got.
2: Yeah, that's where we see the um, the big brute that they're bringing along. Again, we'll have a little talk about that later.
1: Ah, the Exodriller here. Yes. Yeah. Um, which looks pretty cool, to be honest. Um, I've... I'd, I'd... That was, I think that was one of the things that started changing my mind about the Squats. It's like, okay, the Brute actually looks pretty cool. And then that kind of drew my interest uh, towards the rest of the gang. But yeah, as you say, we'll talk about that in a bit um, when we go into uh, shooting the ship. But we then had the 22nd of May, which was the Sunday preview. Now, you might not think this from the title, but there was stuff to be had in here. Um, Kill Team Morok, uh was released now the reason why i'm mentioning this is a yes we we are dabbling in kill team a little bit as well but the the terrain that you get in this box set is basically a Sump City Radio playset, as far as I'm concerned. You've got your little radio station, and then you've got all the aerial masts and all this kind of thing, the big radar dish for transmissions. Uh, You've got the little walled-off area, which is where we used to do the rapid-fire segment, (laughs) so it's a a bit of a throwback for the older listeners there. Yeah,
2: it was nice of JW to create an official one. I mean, they they got the name wrong, but... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. We need to rebrand the box or something, yeah, get yeah, someone on Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: <laughs> and then what we had in that article as well was the Fatos Pattern Extended Hab Module, which was the uh, the buildings, the habs that we're getting from the Ash Waste box set, but it's like a double-sized one. Now, some clever people had spotted this, because there's a disp- new display that had gone up at Warhammer World, uh, which was for Ash Wastes, and they were included in that display.
2: Yeah, and everyone was spitballing whether they were kit bashes or kind of, yeah, just one off kind of prototypes or whatever. But no, there they are out in the wild.
1: So after that, we then had the 9th of June, um, which was test driving the Cargo 8 Ridge Hauler, which I'm sure you've been doing <laughs> recently as well. Uh, but we've um, then seen a little bit of the stats for it, a little bit of the rules.
2: Yeah, no, nice little tease just to wet people's appetite.
1: Uh, 10th of June, so again, so many articles that we're getting over these last couple of months. Uh, We've had Necromunda Squat's Prospects, again, um, just more information on those. Uh, And then we had, ah, now this one was a surprise. So yeah, this is the most recent one that we've got, a point of recording. 13th of June, the Warhammer Community article, which is Dominate the Underhive with the Psychic Powers of the Deluxe Spiker. So yeah, that one was a bit of a surprise. Really cool model though, and also instant meme fodder. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, you kinda you can't go anywhere online related to Necromunda without seeing a Megamind or what do you call it, my Sound of Music. We've <laughs> oh, seen yeah. quite a few different, yeah.
1: You got to love the Necromunda and Warhammer community just for how quickly they get on the memes for this kind of thing. But we've seen all of them. Uh, I mean, in my mind as well, there was the the this is a bit of a throwback as well. The Saw Boss, uh, from Jason the World Warriors. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. As I said, a bit of a throwback. Memory unlocked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, it it just reminded me of that as well. Um, But, yeah, so many Megamind memes going around. Oh, and the other one that I saw that was fairly funny as well was the Space Mumps from Red Dwarf. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, joking aside, it is a really nicely done model. Uh, We've got the sort of Doctor Strange cloak on it as well which is uh, helping to give that impression of the levitation and it, the head just the way that they've sculpted it it just looks like it is literally at the point of his skull about to burst
2: yeah it's, it's full-on body horror They're like uh, and i love the detail that they've put into like the collar that's pumping the the yeah. gas and the chems into his brain It just looks so kind of like unusual in respect mm. to all the other tech we've seen so like yeah it looks really alien and kind of yeah I'm, I'm really impressed with it to be honest
1: i think we've had a lot of people saying that it's very suitable for being used as chaos psykers as well oh yeah
2: no no doubt it will find its way into many other ranges and for many other uses and i can't wait to see what the community does with
1: it. speaking of it just going back to what we mentioned about the kill team mark dropping as well the Chaos Gang in that had the sort of re-release now in plastic. I think I'm not sure if it was plastic before, but the Chaos Ogryn, which obviously we can use now because of the rules update that was in a White Dwarf a while back. Now,
2: yeah, that was that was plastic when it was uh, oh, released right, cool. with yeah. It was part of the traitor command set for uh, ah. the original Blackstone Fortress, hmm. I believe. Yeah.
1: So that's hopefully going to be coming out as a separate um, kill team soon and the models in it were actually pretty cool just for sort of uses like um, either Outlanders or Outcasts or Chaos Heliot Gangs, something along those lines so probably worth keeping an eye on that one as well Yeah,
2: I know a couple of guys have said um, I think it has like 40 heads in it, in that kit 40 heads? Yeah, I'm fairly sure that's what I've seen people saying so Jesus, that's the l- conversion
1: fodder alone it's going to yeah, be worth getting that box yeah, exactly. right, Definitely keeping my eye out for that one Alright, so that's all the official release news that we've got up until this point. So as for other news, uh, something that we've been working on as a little project behind the scenes, we've been talking with two other Necromunda podcasts, that's uh, Plus One to Hit and Dome Runners, about doing a cross-collaboration on... um, Basically it's a segment about starting a gang completely from scratch so it's something that will uh, be useful for pretty much anyone who's playing Necromunda whether you're completely new to it or whether you're just looking at maybe hearing about another game that you've not tried before so the concept behind this is that we just literally hop onto each other's podcasts pick something that we're going to be starting and uh, from scratch in my case I decided to go with Orloks. Um we've also got a community member Dan Beresford joining us. Uh, You'll have seen loads of his pictures and work going up. Bastards incredibly fast with painting things. (laughs) So fast. Um, So he's going to be joining me and Chris. Chris, what was it that you was going to do? I haven't decided yet. You still not decided? No.
2: I, I keep flitting between them and I just can't make my mind up. I'll just pick something last minute and I'll go with it. (laughs) <laughs> and that'll be that'll be how I roll basically
1: but yeah so in the not too distant future you can expect to hear from James and some of his cronies over at Plus One to Hit and from Elle over at Dome Runners and uh, they'll be hopping onto this show at some point and we'll be going on theirs so you know give, give a good opportunity to, to listen into their shows if you haven't already I highly recommend that you do anyway and, and you know catch up and then you'll have some context for what's going on with them by the time a you listen to our a segment huge
2: cross Necromunda podcast circle jerk and I'm really Looking forward to it
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that, uh, in other news Sump Con 2, Promethean Boogaloo is now go um, as of yesterday we've now nailed down enough details for it to actually start selling tickets, so the tickets should be going live in the next week Um, so by the time this goes out this will actually still be relevant because I'm trying to get this out as quickly as possible for this one Um, so yeah what we were looking at there is it's going to be a weekender this time as opposed to just a one day thing that's what I can confirm beyond that it's also going to be the 8th and 9th of October I can confirm that uh, we're still hammering out the details about the format of how it's going to work. It's still, obviously, because it's Necromunda, it's not going to be tournament style. We want it, to, again, to be sort of casual, uh, just fun meeting up with other people who well, I've presumably listen to the show, <laughs> uh, like playing Necromunda as well. And just like the last one that we did, it should just be a really great day. But times two this time round. Absolutely. Uh, how many spaces are uh, opened up for uh, that? How story? many spaces? Oh, can I say this? Um... Yes, we did nail down the number that we're going to initially go with. We do have room to increase if there is demand for it, and it's only by a little bit we can do that, but we're looking at 32 places a day. We're we're still working out what's going to be best for how the tickets are put out, whether we just do, like, here's a weekend one, you can buy that, or whether we do them as two separate day ones as well, um, because obviously people might only be able to come down for one of the two days. But we're still working things out for that uh, on prices and things. So uh, we will put that information up onto the Facebook group and the Discord as soon as we get that um, nailed down. But say it should be up within the week. Excellent. So, uh, there's that. Uh, Oh, uh, we need to do a shout-out to Anthony Holmes, who has been creating blank printable fighter cards and PDFs uh, for the tactics cards um, that aren't available anymore, I believe. So, free for the community to download. um, If you just go on to the Facebook group... Uh, for some city radio, he's definitely been uploading those to the files section there, and there's various links if they're not like, too big to sit in there. I think where he's got them on like Google drives. So he's even done themed ones with faction logos on there um, that previously haven't been released. So including
2: the some city radio one for us. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, so that was pretty cool. So cheers, Anthony, for doing that. Yeah, nice one. Um, okay, so that's pretty much all for the news that I've got. Was there anything else that I've missed, Chris? Or I think
2: that covers everything.
1: Right, in which case then, let's move on to the community works that we've spotted since the last broadcast. So, uh, shall I go first on this one? Yep. Yep, cool. So first up is Eliminatorista on an Instagram. This is an enforcer model that they've done, and it's just one of those ones where you see it and straight off, you can tell that they're, they've gone absolutely crazy with the object source lighting on this. This is one of those things, unfortunately, where you do need to visually... Appreciate this so please go check out the show notes. But you've got like three different spot source lights on this like a red uplight, which is very reminiscent of things like um Empire Strikes Back, you know, at the end where in Cloud City where they've got the uh, the neons or, reflecting off over the yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. All that kind of thing, and the uplighting on Darth Vader and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, And then you've got like the light from the shoulders and coming from the armor of the enforcer as well. So there's like a yellow light illuminating out from the the top half of the body there. Uh, And then just behind it, you've got like an imposed wall panel that they've got, which has got blue light coming off of that and then hitting the back of the enforcer. And it's just so well done. So, yeah, that's the reason why I included that on the list. It's very nice. Right, and then another one I spotted on Instagram was the uh, very eloquently named T8CV8R as the Instagram handle. Um, and they've done an wastes gang called the Hyenas, and it's just a really nice conversion mishmash of, like, Goliaths. Um, and all kinds of other bits and bobs from all over the place, just really nicely put together. For Well, presumably, it'll be under the outcast rules that they had been using for it, I'd assume.
2: Yeah, I follow uh, this person. I'm not sure if it's a a, a guy or a girl. But uh, yeah, they they come out with some really awesome kid bashes, to be fair.
1: Uh, Then we've got... Ah, now, this was an interesting one. Toby Zebulon Carroll. I don't know how he came up with the idea for this but it was it's truly inspired he's gone and got i think it was not was it an apple watch or just some kind it's of It's just a smart you know, watch i think he's, he's picked up a fairly
2: fairly cheap one um he's yeah. actually got a, a a tutorial video on his youtube channel for this oh nice
1: but yeah so he's gone and got a smart watch and turned it into sort of like a bounty board essentially th- um, which is very reminiscent of the one that you find in the hired gun uh, necromunda game mm. so yeah it's just a fantastic piece of terrain but it's got a live bounty board with all the the wanted posters just glitching in and out and switching across the screen um, so you know perfectly to scale for necromunda purposes and I just thought it was really cool
2: yeah if you, he's, he goes by the name of Zebamunda on Instagram and YouTube ah. in fact I've picked one of his builds his most recent one for my selection If it's Um, the
1: one I think it is, I narrowly... I I didn't put that on my list because I saw that you'd put it on there, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, definitely worth checking out his channel. Uh, It's got some really cool little fun builds on there and his Instagram. Show him some love.
1: Next up is Mark Grudgings, um, and he has created another fantastic kit bash, uh, perfect for the ash wastes, uh, which is a giant beast with several riders on the back because it is that large. Uh, Again, this looks like the kind of thing that would fit perfectly with ash waste nomads or or something like that. Uh, The description for it was Felgrim's company needed some more durable protection out in the wastes, so enter the Corosaur. A uh, hardy desert mega, was it mega faunid servitor yeah. loaded with plenty of tradable goods, uh, mainly made from a seraphon carnosaur and bits galore. So, uh, again, this is something visually you're going to need to have a look at the pictures to, you know, truly appreciate this one. But yeah, it is kind of like lizard, almost um, uh, the head almost looks kind of rat like in a sense.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it. The seraphons are like the lizard men, aren't they, from EOS hmm. uh, or Fantasy? Yeah. So yeah, no, it's really, really cool. I mean, it's it's as big as a cargo container, one of the Munitorium containers. It's 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 a Hulkin base. Where in fact, it's probably longer, but yeah, it's it, it comparable in height. So no, well done. Um, must be a very expensive uh, <laughs> kitbash because I can't imagine those things
1: are cheap. No. Um, so those are some of the highlights that I've found recently. What about you, Chris?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, I've only picked a few because I knew it was just going to be like a short little episode to put together. But um, first up is uh, Voodoo Conversions, and they've put together The Citadel. Uh, it's using a bunch of sector mechanicus and the new ash waste terrain. And it's just, in fact, they've got a, that um, radio dish that you were talking about on the top yes. of it there. <laughs> it's just a phenomenally kind of huge build, I think, it's like 16 and a half inches tall. So it's it's a, it's a beast of a thing. So check out Voodoo Conversions on uh, Instagram. Definitely worth following their work. Uh, yeah, this one, cool. can you click the link for this, Steve, to have a look at it? Cause I, I couldn't. It, it, shrine. It's a video, so I couldn't. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Hang on. Let me have a look at this one then. Uh, oh, that one. Yes. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's what is it? Like the zone mortalis blocks
2: yeah one of the columns from the zone mortalis blo- and he's obviously embedded like a light feature and just gives it that um kind of reliquary shrine effect and that's by uh conrad bella It just really caught my eye when i was scrolling the other day so
1: yeah it's really cool Uh it almost looks like um is it a uh, sisters of battle armor that's hung up on a wall yeah. in there yeah yeah
2: no it's uh it's it's just really effective and i just love those little details that bring it to life which takes me on to my next selection which is the second one this month uh, we do we don't confer when we put these lists together so um it it's just by chance that zebamunda has got a second mention on this but it's just a really again i love those like little things that bring the game board to life so with the watch, with the, with anything that uses lights, but in this oh.
1: instance, oh, <laughs> yeah, I've just clicked your link, yeah, yeah that the one, the smoke yeah. stack,
2: yeah, and he's used um, the I can't remember, the alchemite stacks from yes. uh, Sector Mechanicus, and he's uh, put a little um, like like an atomizer diffuser in there, so it belches out steam, and again, he's put he just put. Um, a tutorial on his youtube channel and i think that little bit that creates the smoke costs like a couple of quid so i mean if you've already got the terrain sitting around or it's fairly easy to make pipes out of anything then it just looks like something that'd be quite achievable across a board and i just think it really adds some atmosphere yeah i'll put the link in the description obviously
1: yeah please do everyone's going to want those on their board
2: Okay, so my next selection is uh, Rob Napkin's Escher Gang. Uh, he's used a lot of, like, Malaphone minis in here. And, um, yeah, if you look, it's just got a really kind of Asian um, mythological style tied in. Obviously beautifully painted and beautifully converted. So yeah, it's just a gorgeous little, like, uniquely characterful gang, but just still fits with the Escher aesthetic really well. Um, yeah. yeah, just some, like... A lot of like Chinese dragon style things in place of uh, the usual critters and beasts that we see accompanying Escher, and it's just yeah, I just thought it was a really like unique little twist on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks like like it could have come straight from House Tai if you look at all the the, the sort of fluff for them.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's got that. Um, I don't know Oriental not a word people use anymore. Asian, I think, is definitely the preferred term. But yeah, definitely kind of like uh, Eastern inspired. Um,
1: aesthetic uh, yeah, yeah.
2: aesthetic across the gang.
1: Yeah, it's very kawaii yeah
2: no um, and that's me for for this month
1: okay so that's everything that we've got for hot in the hive if there's something that you've seen online somewhere be it facebook instagram or anywhere else for that matter that you think is worth our attention then just throw a hashtag of hot in the hive on it or you know pop a link to us in our email or on the facebook page and we'll go check it out after a quick break with some tunes it's going to be shooting the ship and
3: some city radio. If you're not listening to us, why the fuck do you even have a radio?
1: OK, listeners, welcome back. Up next is Shooting the Shit. It's time to shoot the shit. <coughs> So as you might expect, this time around we are going to be talking about Book of the Outlands. Uh, This is a special episode essentially based around the release of this, which should be hopefully dropping the day that it comes out. Uh, So yes, disclaimer, uh, Games Workshop sent us all of the items that we're about to talk about for review, so we did get them for free. Thank you very much, Games Workshop. I would definitely not have been able to afford all of this otherwise.
2: Yeah, no, I'm in the same situation, so really appreciate it, thank you.
1: Okie dokie. So, uh, that noted then. I'm very grateful that they did send this to us, and uh, again, they've done it with a good lead time on it, which is fantastic for us to actually get something recorded and and hopefully released on the day, if not very soon afterwards. Um, So, um, shall we talk about the actual book first, because I think that's the thing that everybody's going to be dying to hear about? Yeah, definitely. Let's go for it. Cool. So... Book of the Outlands, as we have seen in the teases uh, so far from Games Workshop on the Warhammer community pages uh, and on Facebook, it's going to contain all the details for your nomads, your squats, uh, a little bit of information about the Orlock vehicles, and also the details for customising your own vehicles. Uh, Now, I will go on record to say that, yes, in previous episode where we discussed um, this in in theory as to what could be in this book that's coming out, um, yeah, I I thought that they wouldn't necessarily have actual details to fully customise build your own vehicles from the ground up. It might be a case of a number of pre-selects with upgrades in a campaign that's why I thought the direction they might go but I'm I'm happy to say that I was wrong it is literally full customization from the ground up with like you know lego style building blocks of you pick the type of vehicle that you want and things like that but before before we get fully into those details getting ahead of myself there um do we want to talk about the gangs first
2: uh yeah oh, it's probably a good time to mention that you get the full vehicle rules in here so that if oh, you don't yes. have the ashweist rule book um, you can run the vehicles that are in the book. It's 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 all in there. Or uh, there's I think there's 27 pages of just just vehicle rules. So it's all the the vehicle specific rules from the Ashurst rulebook book uh, in this in a separate segment. Which again, uh, to kind of correct myself from an earlier episode, <laughs> yeah. it isn't something I expected. I thought they would release the rule book separately and then this. Uh, whether they do then release the rule book at some point. Down the line, I don't know. I'm not so confident on saying that anymore. But no, yeah, it's it's yeah. I just thought that uh, ball mentioning
1: that was going to be my second retraction as well. <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I before I was absolutely confident they were going to release the Ash Waste rulebook. Now I am not um, because. Um, as someone quite rightly pointed out, the Ash Wastes rulebook that was included in the Ash Wastes box set—and notice how much care I'm taking in saying Ash Wastes—it uh, <laughs> didn't have the um, what's it called, the ISBN number on the back of the book. It didn't have the sort of the, the back cover uh, that you normally get telling you what's in there. It was just blank, um, which would have meant that they would have had to do a completely separate run of those books if they wanted to include it, which didn't sort of factor in with the whole were they going to release that separately as is they would have to do it again um but seeing as yes this has got the rules for vehicles in it um i don't think that anymore i don't think they are going to release that separately so if you do want everything in one nice big compendium for the all the rules then it looks like you're gonna have to track that down as an ebay purchase or get yourself a box of the ash wastes
2: yeah, I'm still not 100% convinced that it won't be released at some point. I'm happy mm. to be wrong. You know, that's what why we do these kind of oh, yeah. corrections and retractions. You know, we aren't the the font of all knowledge when it comes to this stuff. We're just fans like you. We just talk loudly about it on the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a couple of things that aren't in here that you are missing if you don't get the the main rule book. But we'll yes. we'll come to that at some point.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, uh, So, uh, do we might as well mention those now, then, seeing as we're on that. So, right, yeah, okay. the things that are missing.
2: All right. So you you don't get your campaign. There's no campaign, no scenarios, um, and the the region and uh, location effects are very kind of condensed. You get I think three of each as opposed to the fifteen of each that are in the main rule book. Also, you don't get the generic ash tactics card list. So that's true. Uh, the only way to get those, as it stands, is in the uh, the Ashwaste box set.
1: Yes. A couple of little minor points on on this book, uh, because generally speaking i'm very very impressed with it um the there is loads of lovely lovely artwork in it again this is the kind of thing that i do like to talk about with these books and this is another weird thing again they have completely changed the inlay of the book i I, I know for some people this is going to be such a small point but it's just the first thing that you see when you open it and it's just something like oh that's cool uh, and if they continue with this sort of method moving forward, I think that's actually going to be really cool as well. Because what they've done with the inlay here is they've got big, you know, two page artwork of a particular location on necromunda so the one that you get inside the book here is the gates of damocles and then it's got a, a paragraph telling you about that location and then if you skip right to the back of the book you get uh in Rothgold's shadow which is another location and another separate two-page piece of artwork there and i just thought that was a really cool idea of just sort of a bit of world building
2: yeah not it uh, really kind of set an atmosphere for the whole thing It's really nice to see kind of what they've got in their heads when they're making these rules and writing this law.
1: Um, so yeah, moving on from that then. So uh, obviously the big draw for this book is, in my mind at least, three main things, which is your waste Nomads, your Ironhead Squats, and then the, the vehicle rules. I would say vehicle rules slash, in this case, customising your own vehicles. So let, let's just do a brief overview of everything that you do get in here officially. So yes, you get Waste Nomad Gangs, Ironhead Squats adding vehicles to gangs so both completely customizable and a few standardized ones as well so you've got like your your ridge runner the uh goliath what is it rock grinder isn't it yeah the rock
2: grinder the wolf what's it called i've written it there yeah so you get the wolf quad the ridge runner the rock grinder and obviously the new uh, kid on the block the ridge hauler
1: yes Um, So you get those, you then get information in here about upgrading vehicles, so that's probably mainly going to be for campaign purposes, but if you want sort of specialised skirmish scenarios where you're going, okay, some some extra skills for the gangers, some extra stat points, uh, we're also going to throw a couple of extra points towards the other vehicles maybe as well, Um, so there's that kind of thing that you can do as well. Um, and then you also get a heavily condensed look at the Ash Waste Battlefield's conditions, as Chris has mentioned already. So, not all the elaborate detail that you've got in the Ash Waste rulebook, but there is something in there just to sort of keep you going and have some variation. And then it includes additional rules for some hangers on and brutes. So, you get things like the Vartian Exo Driller. Uh, then, you get a sort of a Beast Wrangler for the Ash Waste Nomads. Is that right?
2: Yeah, the Outland Beastmaster. Yes.
1: And speaking of Beastmasters, guess what we've got in this book, people? Um, I've been going on about these for a while. They're not weird anymore, but they are Beastmasters. So we have got Giant Rats, Millisaurs and Ripper Jacks back now. Now, this is something I'm not sure on with this book here, Chris, from the way that it's worded. I don't know if you picked up on it or not. Do you think that you can take those creatures as normal exotic pets yourself, or do they have to be purchased through the Beastmasters?
2: I'd just assume that they came with the Beastmaster, but, you know, because it's such a sandbox game, it's like I can't see any issue with gangs having them. I mean, they're pretty fucking badass, some of them. I mean, the um, the Ripperjack is a nasty little exotic pet. I'd be, yeah, I... I'll be honest I read it as that the Beastmaster took them but yeah I don't see why that wouldn't work it's certainly worth trying out
1: well, that, that was it, because I mean, I, the first thing I spotted as I was flicking through the book was the Beast, and then I was like, oh, cool, they've got them back in. And then it's like, oh, no, they've got the Beastmasters as well, excellent. Uh, oh, hang on, they've not got psychic powers. But it doesn't matter, because it's still cool, because they're back. Yeah. So that was kind of the thought process that I went through. But they do have um, credit costs attached to them, and that's the thing I can't see anywhere specifically where it says you cannot take these uh, unless you've got a, a Beastmaster. So I'm hoping that that means that you can but this is the other thing as well with normal exotic pets um it caps them doesn't it it says you've got to have you know like normal numbers like 1 to 3 like you can have you know a maximum of three sum yeah. crocs or something like that and I don't know if that's per person because I think it is isn't it normally yeah if I you want so. to spend it yeah. yeah so here it doesn't mention that so you've got what what a giant wasteland rat Um, are 30 credits each 30 credits that's five more credits than a juve so if you get to like what middle of a campaign and because you've picked all the the money-making territories and the the money-making skills um, if you if you're sitting on a pile of creds you could literally have a swarm of rats that would be really cool Especially
2: when um, one of the special rules for the rats, uh, sorry to kind of go into spoilers here, but um, (laughs) during the update, roster step with the post battle sequence. If any wasteland giant rats are removed from a fighter card, they're replaced with a new one for no cost.
1: Yeah, so you get get one for free. (laughs) That's a great price.
2: rats, rats all the way down.
1: Yeah, so you buy 10 rats, it doesn't matter if they die, you've still got 10 rats. Mm -hmm. Win win. Um, So yeah, sorry, gone gone off on a little one there, skipping ahead, but yeah, in in addition to those really cool things, um, we also got the lists for the Gang Tactics cards, so again, you don't have to buy the packs unless you want to, Um, so you've got the the lists for the Nomads, the Ironhead Squats, and the Orlock Vehicles, which is an interesting one to note. Um, in addition to that as you've already mentioned you've got the vehicle rules as in the Ashwaist rule books and then you've got all the weapon charts and references that, for like weapon traits and so on that you'd expect to see at the end of the book so that's pretty much in general what you get in this book however I think that we should go into that in a little bit deeper detail on some of these things that people want to be hearing about so should we have a look at the Nomads gangs first because so they're pretty much the first thing great idea yeah. cool so um, you get your little bit of fluff for the gangs, first of all. Um, so you're probably talking about. Mm, what? Two? That's a lot. This includes the picture pages and the, the title page and stuff like that. So one, two, three, four, five, six pages, uh, which contains fluff. And then also, spread across two of those six pages, is details about. How to utilize nomads within campaign systems. So obviously for the Ash Wastes, it you know, that's their main territory, that's where you'd expect to see them. So the Ash Wastes campaigns kind of doesn't really need any further explanation for how to use nomads. But when you get things where, like for example, you're playing at the hive edge inside the hive, and somehow you get some nomads wander in this is where these these two pages comes in really useful because it gives you an idea about how they interact with territories and campaigns um so i, I don't want to spoil all the details for you here um but other things that's useful to point out straight away is that you don't get alliances at all as an ash waste nomad some people are immediately going to go right well that's me screwed in the campaign because i know that everyone i'm playing against you know who's going to take them but the bonus is you don't have to worry about all the extra detail of it. Yeah. Um, so it keeps it nice and simple. Their hired guns list that they can have on board. Uh, well, they don't. Uh, no hired. It says here literally no hired guns will sign on to work with the Ashways Nomads. As such, they cannot be hired by Ashways Nomad gangs unless explicitly stated in their rules. So hopefully, at some point, we will get um, specialist characters for Ashways Nomads. yeah uh, yeah, no normal hired guns
2: yeah it's just as a quick side note something i've noticed with this book and it is chock full of really cool stuff you get obviously full ash wastes nomads gang list full um squat miners gang list everything else that we've mentioned but there's still you can tell like there's so much more to come i mean um yeah well let's get through it but yeah it's it's just really exciting because i i keep thinking oh is this it no, this is definitely not it. Oh, is this oh no. It? This is definitely I, I totally not
1: it. I <laughs> totally agree with that. I mean, just reading through the fluff of the Ash Wastes rulebook and this, <laughs> it mentions other factions already that we've not even touched upon yet. Exactly. So I totally agree with that. Speaking of, of like other uh, factions and so on, hangers on, that's another thing as well. The uh, For the Ash Waste Nomads, the hangers on that you're going to have access to is going to be severely limited. Um, I might as well read this bit verbatim. Although the usual mix of hangers-on wouldn't work alongside the Ashwaste nomads, they have their own versions that fill in the same roles. When building an ash nomads gang, only hangers-on whose rules explicitly state they can be used by an ash nomads gang can be added to the gang with the following exceptions. Ammo jacks, rogue docks and sloppers. Note these hangers-on should be represented by models that show their revised nature. So you want to be getting a cook pot with your nomad with a big wooden spoon in it, basically. Yeah. But, yeah, so it, th- those ones kind of make sense, because as it says, they would have their own versions or equ- equivalents thereof. So, th- yeah, th- those ones make sense. But then when you get things like propagandists and stuff like that, I don't think that quite fits with the vibe of the, uh, the no. nomads.
2: No, they've, they've they've tried to keep it quite thematic, but then, obviously, they're not making the gang kind of totally... Um, at a disadvantage, it's, yes. it's like the very basics that they get that any gang should really have in in
1: their kind of uh, entourage. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts about that page? Because there is something I did want to mention about that page as well.
2: Well, no, go for
1: it. Mm. We, we we speculated in the last broadcast that um, they might have a completely different method of trading uh, to get access to gear and things like that. Be- and you know, because it says that they don't trade normally with other people. Um, but there is a cutout box on this page, page 8 of the book, um, that says uh, Designer's Notes Ash Waste Nomads in Campaigns, uh, Trading Post and Black Market. Although the Ash Waste Nomads do not trade with other factions on Necromunda, they still trade amongst themselves between the various tribes. They may have the same access to the trading post and black markets as other gangs. So whilst we thought that there could be some kind of interesting mechanic that they came out with, they've decided to go, well, they've got their own versions of it. So at the end of the day, it essentially counts as a game mechanic of having access to the same things.
2: Yeah, the the only restrictions will be on the individual fighters that you would get across any gang where they can't buy this kind of weapon or whatever.
1: So um, that was just the one little thing I wanted to touch on there because we had sort of made a point of discussing that in, in the last episode. So basically, uh,
2: you've got a full Ashwaist Nomads list. Now, I will put a slight disclaimer on this. Both the Nomads and the Squats, uh, while they are full gangs, they do lack some of the depth of your basic six-house gangs. So whereas um, All Get Names... Um, Escherged Chem Alchemy. There's no like unique hook. There's no kind of oh, that, yes. that yes. section isn't in either of the gangs. They don't have that. It is a full gang. They've got um you know all of the rules necessary, they've got their own unique skill sets. They're very distinct in the way that they're built and put together. But they don't have that. I don't know whether that's going to be a disadvantage because what they seem to have done is made the rules more specific to the the character types. Yeah. So the the nomads have really fast movement and great initiative across the board. They're just that's what they are, and they they play well to their their kind of character type. That stealthy um, gorilla fighters almost. And it's the same with the. Squats when we get to them. They're very tough. They're, they're slow, but they're extremely tough, and they have an absolute button of firepower to kind of back up um, their their theme and their kind of their their core incredibly
1: incredibly bad initiative
2: <laughs> yeah well i guess you know they can't have everything they've got to yeah. balance it out somehow okay so you start off with your katragi chieftain or your leader and they're rocking at 120 credits again they've got the movement six weapon skill three plus ballistic skill three. Hold old, old
1: the phone movement six yeah. Bloody hell, yeah, they have as well.
2: They, they are. They're really fast. The whole gang are extremely fast. And then when you stick a hellamite on them prospects, that's going up to eight. Ooh, so Lord. They're, a, they're a nippy little gang. Oh, I guess they have to be. You know, they, 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 right. The Hot one sands, thing... it's
1: like the lizards, isn't it? They can't stay still for too long.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah, the fatal burn. No, but um, they can't access vehicles. Everyone else can get vehicles now. Like, from this book, anyone can take a vehicle except Ashwist Nomads. Yeah. So I guess they kind of have to be fast to to even remotely keep up.
1: And that's a fair point, especially um, on those rolling road scenarios.
2: Oh, that, I know. I was thinking about that earlier. Well, I was thinking about it since the last uh, broadcast. I was thinking, how are they going to mitigate that? Because obviously being able to move fast great, but you're not moving as fast as most of the vehicles, even moving at six. I mean, some of the vehicles move at eight. I think that's the top, isn't it? The top stat for any vehicle is eight movement
1: uh for any vehicle yeah aha uh-huh, there we go a maximum standard is 12 yeah yeah page uh 110
2: yeah yeah so yeah they're, they're what they're moving at half the speed of there's not many vehicles i have, and in fact i don't think there's any in this book that move that fast to be fair so obviously that <laughs> not might yet, be no yeah that's uh that, that's to come i assume
1: well, to be fair, I mean, even with uh, the customised vehicles that you can get, the, the movements can be boosted by a couple of things. Um, so you've got things like uh, the addition of uh, components to bolt on or upgrades for the vehicles. Yeah. And then you've got tactics cards on top of that as well, and uh, various other little ploys and things. I think, I don't know if skills would come into it, maybe not so much with speed, but um, yeah, that could certainly push the uh, the maximum stat up to the, the the like 12 inch mark
2: yeah right um any cool um bits that you want to mention uh, i wouldn't mind going over some of the uh the basics so again we've said they're fast they've got good initiative mm. um they all come with ash cloaks so that's a respirator and a, um a bonus to rolls against any environmental effects
1: yeah so baked in equipment
2: yeah And they all come with sky mantles unless they're mounted. Yes. So that's free equipment across the board. So you're getting the, um, hide in the wastes.
1: I didn't realize how good that sky mantle was because I've not managed to, you know, get get a game in with them yet, obviously. And uh, I've not sort of tried running a test scenario yet with them. Yeah, I have with the squats, but I've not done it with the nomads yet. And it's, you know, it's just actually really cool.
2: It's a really nice little, um, Nice little mechanic for them, I think. It, yeah. it, so, again, um, it plays into that kind of ghosts of the desert kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. feel.
1: Um, so yeah, sky mantle. Just for anyone who hasn't heard about these yet, um, a fighter equipped with the sky mantle can take the hide in the wastes double action. So hide in the wastes is uh, this fighter is at um, sorry, if this fighter is at least twelve inches away from the nearest enemy model, they gain the hidden condition. See the Necromunda rulebook. Uh, Even if the current battle is not using pitch black rules, uh, they become revealed if they move, as well as all the normal triggers for becoming revealed. So it's essentially like they're standing in the dark as long as they've not moved. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool for a baked-in piece of kit.
2: Again, and everybody getting a respirator is a yeah. very nice bit of baked-in uh, tech to be taken, especially, especially for people can... who live in horrific conditions.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say, especially <laughs> for people who live in the horrific conditions, like the ones you're going to roll on the tables for the ash waste book. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I did want to mention then, because you, you said about the, the gear and stuff, is that we now see the inclusion of a, a blast carbine. But within the Nomad listings, such as the Champs and so forth, um, that's one that we've not seen before.
2: Yeah, they've got a few new weapons on there. So, obviously, the blast carbine is essentially like an auto gun with the shock trait. It's got a slightly worse um, ammo roll. So, you're, you're rolling on a 5 plus as opposed to a 4 plus, like a standard yeah. auto gun. But it's just giving you that chance to get those uh, extra. Um, Boons in on rolls of six, which is always nice. Yeah, um,
1: and uh, oh, and it's it's not even a scarce ammo type as well. No. Rapid fire shock—that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, you get your venom caster, which is a new weapon that we've not seen before, which looks like a chem thrower.
1: Yes, uh, it basically is a chem thrower. I, I did do a compare and contrast on this yeah. last night when I was, I was prepping, and. Um, so yeah, the what is it? A difference of hundred and sixty credits for the Venomcaster, and it's hundred and thirty-five for the Chemthrower. With the Venomcaster, it's a six plus and scarce on the ammo, whereas with the Chemthrower, it's a five plus and, and just normal. Um, but you do get a minus one AP on the uh, Venomcaster, yeah, so totally. you, you be the judge as to whether th- which you know that one's better than the other. And that's
2: um, that's toxin, and it, but it doesn't have the
1: gas trait.
2: So I'm assuming it squirts some kind of liquid out as opposed to a gas like the oh, uh, the chem throw does. If
1: it doesn't have the gas trait, that actually does make it better because you are pinning people at the same yeah. time. So, OK, yeah, because uh, I thought the fact that it was a 6 plus and scarce for 160 credits, it's like, mm, I'm not seeing where the extra money goes. But yes, if it's minus 1 AP and it pins people... Okay, yes. That, that that kind of justifies the cost, I think, a bit more there.
2: I believe so. Oh, and a Heavy Blaster, um, which is a new Heavy Weapon, which again oh. has the shock trait on it.
1: I missed that one. So <laughs> let's, let, let me go check the stats for this. So Heavy Weapon, Heavy Blaster. Oh, here we go. Right. 12-inch short range, 36 long, plus one to hit a short. Uh, strength 4, minus 1 AP, damage 1, 5 plus on the ammo roll. wrap Ooh, Rapid Fire 2. hmm Shock and unwieldy. So, no template, but ooh, Rapid Fire 2. Yeah, it's a pretty
2: nice little weapon, isn't it? It's We're not getting bad. into squat
1: territory there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, um, I'm just thinking the, the the long blade, I believe, is a new knife. And that's just a close combat weapon. It's nothing particularly flashy. It lacks the backstab trait that the stalker knife that we saw in Ashwaist's. Hmm. Um, has but other than that, just another close combat weapon. Then we have to move to uh, another character type in order to uh, have a look at the next one, which would be the Stormcaller staff for ah, the yes. Stormcaller champion. Now, uh, when we saw previews of the Stormcaller, a lot of people were calling it out as like a dramatic persona or um like hanger-on, but it's actually there. Kind of version of a super champ. So yeah. your standard champion, which is your Nakutari Watcher, and again they have all the access to everything the leader has. Um, pretty straightforward. Um, or oh, they get uh, shooting as a primary, but then the Stormcaller uh, comes on a dustback uh, Hellamite Can't be taken off of that now that's probably something worth noting about the nomads whereas with any other gang we will obviously touch on it in more detail later you can basically give anyone the mounted condition with a bike or some other kind of mount whereas um these guys they get their mounts included in the cost but they can't ever take a card without of the mount Uh, included, whereas anyone else, if you buy a motorbike or a a horse or whatever it is, you can choose to start a battle mounted or on foot. These guys can't. They're they're always kind of on the... It's called ball in the saddle, the rule.
1: I do really like the... um... The sort of imagery that's attached to these, and the the way that the rules kind of build around that. So obviously you've got the the whole stormcaller name. Kind of it's like the you know the Ron seal thing of it t- on the tin. It t- it tells you what it, it, does, it does on the does tin. exactly what it says. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're changing the weather is their double action sort of specialty that they've got. So it, and this is what it says. If the visibility X rule is not active for this battle, apply the visibility 24-inch rule (see page 85). Otherwise, um, increase or decrease the value of X by six inches to a minimum of six. So you can literally change the distance of visibility within a game, and you know, and you can up to six inches each. Well, it's up to each is six in six-inch increments, up or down every time they uh, they activate well that's
2: it that's it stacks so you can keep doing this
1: yeah so it, you, what so let's say you've got what standard say visibility 24 inch rule is what the worst no what, worst it's kind of the opposite really if <laughs> you want to be able to see so that's like the best uh visibility rule that i think you can get in play as a standard yeah. um and then you can just like each round if they're like hunkered down somewhere safe they can just be Doing their, their voodoo sort of kind of stuff there and literally just decreasing that every time they're
2: activating Yeah, and making it harder and harder to be hit. And when yeah. you're playing into the fact that, you know, they've got um, that whole kind of cunning and surreptition and, and that sneakiness built in. It just really kind of helps. So if you've got a uh, like uh, the prospects have cunning as a primary, the gangers have cunning as a primary, and the Jews have cunning as a primary. You, you know they're all capable of um, infiltration. So if you're able to infiltrate while cutting the weather down and really kind of get control of the board as you as you're moving around, because they do lack a lot of the punch of the other gangs. Um, But they they make up for it in other cool ways, yeah. Really, really interesting mechanic to be able to manipulate the effects that you're rolling, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I'm very much looking forward to to getting to grips with the Nomads at some point. Yeah. Getting some games in and just sort of seeing how they play. But that kind of ability to to change the the visibility, it's going to be really useful, I think, because you can just see it where you go, nope, this round I'm going to drop it, and then next round someone else has just stepped into where they can't do anything, but as soon as you activate, boom, there we go, I've cleared it up six inches, now all my other guys can wail on that person who's visible to them.
2: Well, that's it. It's, it's being able to tailor it to your requirements as well as using it as kind of a handicap to other gangs. It's, it's yeah. really clever. Uh, obviously, you get your standard champion rocks in at 100 and then your is an extra 20 credits. Um, You do have to buy the the Stormcaller staff on top of that if you do want to control the weather. Or you could just have, obviously, a champion on the back of a hellamite, really. they don't have to use that. But it seems a shame not to kind of make the most of such a cool uh, mechanic.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm just sort of generally flicking backwards and forwards between the pages here, looking at the different bits for the uh, the Nomads. And the sort of the impression that I'm getting is that they don't necessarily, at least initially, because as we've, we've said earlier on, they do have access to Trading Post and Black Market. They don't initially have the greatest access to different equipment, but I never see that as a bad thing personally. It just helps you focus... the the idea of what you want for your gang by the equipment that you're choosing
2: yeah i think i agree with you um it's just yeah it's more kind of laser focused on what they are it it defines them more clearly you get that option paralysis don't you where there's so many kind of different possibilities that you, you never know which to go with whereas if it's a little bit more prescribed you kind of you go in that direction and yeah surely you can tailor and fine tune things as you go along but you know pretty much where you want to go with it. Uh, I do like the fact that you could take the charge caster yes. and obviously you've got uh, the option of rocket packs at 5 credits and just having a couple of those around the gang and just getting free reloads on your weapons like, yeah. so you could just have them dashing around and, and firing that off
1: And added bonus, the uh, the rocket packs are actually part of the kit that you get on the sprue.
2: Yeah, yeah which is a nice little kind of touch, I mean I, I wouldn't be mad if somebody said, oh, he's got a rocket pack and it wasn't represented. <laughs> it's under his but, cloak. Yeah. yeah. Is that a rocket in your pocket or are you just pleased to see me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then obviously we move on to the uh, the prospects. Uh, so that's the Noki. I'm sure I'm pronouncing all of these wrong, but they're all made up words, so I'm not too fussed about it. Um, and that's the Dust Rider prospects. So again, as I mentioned before, they've got that ball in the saddle rail. They have to take the the dust bites um, when they're in play. Uh, that obviously confers them with the mounted rule. They get the bonus of a it moves their their base movements five on foot, but you can never take one on foot, so their base movements eight. They gain the mighty leap uh, ability. Oh, and what's the other one? There's a um there's another thing that's been added to mounted, which wasn't in the main rules.
1: Um, is that the thing where you've got to do the initiative test to stand up?
2: no no they've got, they had that didn't they that's the you get knocked down you get back up again kind yeah. of thing no there's another one where you get uh, extra, an extra retaliation attack or an extra attack every time oh yeah
1: that's one of the skills um, yeah. for nomads where you can go the actual beast that you're riding on is going to have a pop at them as you go past as well yeah Gangers for nomads are fairly standard. The same kind of weapons list, but a little bit more restricted. Again, if you do get them to specialist level, where they can start taking skills, cunning is a primary. As is the same for Jews, which I thought was quite interesting. So yeah. you've got Jews with cunning as a primary.
2: Uh, they do have the wasteland sniper uh, special rule, which means that long rifles aren't a special weapon for uh, gangers. Oh. They can just take them as a basic weapon. So
1: Who's it's long. For? Is that for, for Jews? Or... That's for gangers. Oh, for gangers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ashway Nomad Warriors treat long rifles as basic weapons instead of special weapons. Yeah, that's really cool. So fill your gang with them. Might as well. There's a load of them in the sprue for the game. Exactly,
2: yeah. And they're they're a really solid little weapon, actually, a long rifle.
1: Was there any thoughts that you had on the skills for them at all? I really like the idea of the
2: ignore the battlefield effects, like battlefield surface effects, because when you're looking at things like Drifting Dunes, that's phenomenal. They're not taking that flesh wound every turn, every oh, activation. Yeah. It's obviously, you're, you're limited as to how many people can actually have this skill set, but it's it's nice to think, well, I've got this guy protected. He's going to be okay. Um, and the bring it down, I quite like that one.
1: Yeah. I've got to say, this is actually, as skill lists go, um, one of the strongest ones I think that's available, in my personal opinion.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's any turkeys
1: in there. No, not at all. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, so there's Beast Handler, as we've mentioned, so just to sort of pad that out with a bit more detail. um, While subject to the mounted condition, this fighter may make an additional close combat attack resolved at Strength 3, minus 1 AP, Damage 1, every time they perform the fight basic action or make reaction attacks. So as I say, your Beastie just getting in there with a bit of a nibble.
2: Yeah, it's just a cool little kind of... um... Flavorsome skill; it really suits them. Yeah. But yeah, so you've got uh, born of the Wastes where they're ignoring the battlefield surface rules. So yes. that's anything kind of. I think that would be regions specifically, as opposed to. Oh no, it would be weather effects as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because battlefield surface effects is the same thing. Um. um
1: actually, it's, it's it's different, isn't it? Because the battlefield surface is defined by the um location that you're at like near wastes and, and so oh, forth. the regions yeah so it's, it's yeah. not
2: necessarily the weather but it's the the actual the geographical effects
1: yeah so like rough ground for example yeah. or things like that when when you've got the full ash wastes table from the ash waste rule book um, you can roll dice to determine like how far away into the waste you are so like whether you're within sight of a, a, a spire nearby somewhere of a, a hive city or whether it's going to be like You're out in the middle of nowhere, and if you do end up rolling the wild wastes, you've got Crystal Maze, which is um, the battlefield surface is part of a crystalline maze that dazes the senses and can drive the unwary to madness. Models that move more than six inches during their activation must make an intelligence check or gain the insane condition. Yeah. So when you get a skill that goes, nope, I can just ignore all of those kind of things, that's going to be really helpful.
2: Yeah. And it starts to make the fact that you don't have vehicles not seem important. It it balances things out, I think.
1: Yeah, and especially for your leader who's moving six inches as a standard anyway. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then, again, with the speed thing, you've got Stormwalker as a skill. Uh, if this fighter starts their activation while on the battlefield surface, they may add plus two inches to their movement characteristic, which is obviously you're talking eight inches as a standard for your leader etc yeah. etc et or, or for, it's 10 inches for you um
1: you guys on uh dust black yeah so as I say there's, there's not really a dud amongst those skills at all no so what about tactics cards Do, were there any highlights that stood out for you for the nomad tactics cards
2: uh, i'll have to go to the list again
1: well i'll start with one um, Beseech the Great Spirits I thought was actually quite cool so um, it says play this gang tactic during an end phase before making recovery tests you may re-roll any recovery tests you make this round but you must keep the second result even if it is worse so I mean if you roll a bad one it's like well you <laughs> pretty good chances of getting something slightly better yeah the, especially if you're,
2: up, if you're completely fucked <laughs> it's like yeah. you can't do any worse yeah Ghosts on the Ash, where again, you're just negating the battlefield surface and you're turning it into open terrain, so you're not getting any of that kind of visibility issue. So all of a sudden, your long rifles and your charge casters are starting to look really tasty again. It just takes that out.
1: Again, it just helps to keep that movement up. So I think it's going to be a case of Try and utilise the weather effects as best you can, but at the same time, just get in there fast and do some damage. That's yes. probably the, the, the angle you're going for with Nomads. Another one I thought that stood out quite nicely was Master Sniper. So, play this gang tactic when activating a friendly fighter. For the duration of this activation, increase the long range of the fighter's weapon without either the melee or grenade trait by 6 inches. Yeah. So, again, uh, there's a lot of... I've noticed... Um, skills or tactics cards for both nomads uh, and um the generic ash wastes ones as well i think and i think to some degree also for the uh, squats where range changing is is now a thing but when of course you start getting a lot of those weather effects involved, and if, especially if you've got a storm caller on the battlefield, then you know it makes sense to have those, because you really want to have that slight advantage over whatever uh, the range is for everybody else is on the board. Of course, yeah. It's just a uh, slight overhand. The very last one I'd, I'd, that you get in the list, which is 65-66 uh, on a D66 roll, um, I'll just mention this one, because it's just kind of really cool overall, but does that not break game-breaking, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Play this gang tactics during any end phase before your opponent makes any recovery tests. The battle ends as if your gang had retreated from the battlefield. Friendly fighters who are seriously injured automatically recover, and there is no chance for any fighters to be captured. For an outlaw gang as a default, that's also pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not like game-breaking, it's not really exciting, but especially if you're playing in a campaign, that's just a really good way of just disappearing into the winds. <laughs> like, I'll be back next time.
2: Yeah, uh, quite like Ash Quick as well. Um, so I played this gang tactic at the start of any round before rolling for initiative all fighters on the battlefield surface must pass an initiative test or become prone and pinned any ash waste nomad gains uh, plus two to this test so they're already rocking in with some of the best initiative across the board you're playing squats and it's like you all fall down you all fall down and get pinned yeah. and my guys are just going to be fine i think again it's not like it, it's not Opey. It's not like um, History of Violence where you're taking out the leader or the best champ yeah. just without question.
1: It's giving people a chance, but it's yeah. still affecting the whole, in that case, literally the whole board. So even yeah. your own guys, but because, of course, the, the initiative's better, you've got a better chance of staying on your
2: oh, The odds are definitely stacked in your yeah. favour, yeah, without a doubt. But no, um, Should we talk about their, um, their specific hanger-on? now uh that we're talking about ash Yeah, as yeah, go for, it. for it. okay so you've got the uh arthromite herder which is kind of like a Beastmaster but specific to the Ashwaist Nomads and the reason you want this lad or lass, it's, it's hard to uh, decide beneath just the by masks, looking yeah. Yeah, as, because their new brute is the Arthromite Dune Scuttler, now there's no image of this which was uh, a little disappointing but then it's like, oh well I can just make it look however I want and that is what it is because um, obviously we haven't got a miniature for this yet, but this is rocking in at 210 credits and Oof. it's a big fuck-off dune bug thing. I, I love the name Dune Scuttler, so you can kind of... It paints its own image, really, just with the language that they use. Yeah. Uh, hang on, I'm just going to have to jump back to it.
1: There uh, we page are. Page
2: 46 and 47. Yeah,
1: I've, I've got, yeah. Interestingly, if you look at the brute for the squats, the yeah. cost of that is 250 which, uh, if you add both of these models for it's the, No Man's together, is 250 yeah.
2: Yeah, and um, the the benefit of taking the herder obviously is you can trade them or heal them in post battle sequence. Uh, sorry, train them, so it's like like a mini Pokemon kind of brute. <laughs> yeah. So you make them better as yeah as things go on. I, I just think it's a really cool addition to the gang. It's like we, we've heard that they're going to have more insects, and I don't know if you watched that video. You did watch the video with Mark Bedford where he was talking about designing the Ashwears. Oh storm yeah, he
1: said about giant insects.
2: Yeah. yeah, and obviously this is going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be only forty mil base, like anything else. But it's a six move, weapon skill three, ballistic skill five. Don't need it if you can't shoot. Uh, strength five, toughness five, wounds uh, three, wound a uh, four attack kind of monster um yeah. it's got a couple of special skills uh wall scuttler so basically it just counts as always climbing up ladders if it goes up a vertical surface it, uh, any walls or structures it's crawling over it just counts its movement as standard um and then hard to kill so when you're rolling the last on the last injury table you roll twice and you apply whichever result you want which is nice going to keep that on the board a lot longer than um maybe some other brutes might find themselves
1: just to elaborate a little bit on that it's the controlling player of the model who gets to pick what that uh, injury table. Oh, yeah. one sorry yeah yeah yeah
2: it's not uh, where the other guy stitches you up no you, yeah. you you pick you pick what suits you and on um, top of
1: that fearsome and nerves of steel that's pretty cool
2: yeah yeah nice couple of skills to have there and obviously yeah you can um what is it with the training program during the post-battle sequence a nomad uh arthramite herder may attempt to train an arthramite dune scuttler make an intelligence check for the for the herder and if successful the dune scuttler earns d3 xp so yeah i think um I think that's pretty sweet, so you, you, you're kind of getting those extra skills on them. So they've got combat skills as a primary, uh, agility and ferocity is uh, secondary. So, yeah. It's not bad. No, it's, it, it's not game-breaking, again. It's just cool. And, yeah, I can't wait to see what people come up with. I can't wait to see the official model, but uh, I do like seeing people go well, crazy yeah. with them. Not
1: Not it. being shady, but you know we we might be waiting a while for the official model especially if it's well, a Ford World 1 yeah
2: no i mean erratic uh,
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but that's that's basically i think i'm just looking over my notes i think that's pretty much all of the the notes that I'd made, um, oh, that's the, nomads, the extra yeah. new weapons that they've got there. We've gone over the kind of different category of uh, fighters that you can take. Yeah, but no, really solid little gang, and um, they sound like they're going to play very different as well. So I'm looking yes. forward to getting a gang together and just testing that out and seeing how it plays in the West.
1: Um, I'm, i kind, of, and on a final note for that, I'm kind of pleased that the immediate weapon access that they've got hasn't changed so dramatically from what was included in the ash waste box set that um it's going to be really difficult to go back on anything that people have built already from yeah. that box yeah um i mean there's perhaps a couple of little things that I've, I've learned from the initial build that was in the box like the leader default sorry the the chieftain default loadout that was in the build instructions is a bit of a an odd selection should we say with the was it the was it a mono claw or mono hook or something like that yeah Um, so yeah when they're rocking a chain lance and a mono hook and that's the two weapons on the default one it's like a this seems a bit of an odds but I mean visually very striking but other than that I don't think that you're going to go wrong with anything that you've built out of that box set with the the pre pre given uh, riders and the, the gangers no,
2: you're not going to be trying to snap arms off and rebuild them into. I think yeah, for the most part, and like you said, I think most people noticed that you were pretty much nerfing your leader yourself yeah. if you were to put two melee weapons on him. So,
1: but I can I can see room for creating a weapons pack at the very least because you've got things like the blast carbine, which we've not seen yet, nope. the heavy blaster, as you've mentioned, the venom caster as well. So there's there's a good number of weapons there that we've we've not seen yet and we don't actually have in any form. Um, so, you know, people are either gonna just convert their own versions from things, or proxy, or I guess just wait for the kits to turn up inevitably.
2: Yeah, no, it'd be good to... I'm assuming we'll get, you know, it, it just seems pretty standard across the board at the minute. So, yeah, it might be good to see what they come out with.
1: So, shall we move on to squats then? Let's, please, let's do. Cool. Now, little, little disclaimer for me from this. When squats were announced, i genuinely was like i could take it or leave it it's like ah that's kind of cool i guess you know it's another gang which is never a bad thing can't say i'm particularly interested but since we've been you know sent these models and since i've read through this book and since i play tested them because i was kind of curious as to how it was once i started reading about some of their weapons and gear and, and so on i've got to say i'm completely converted on it I have gone in, in totally the opposite direction. I am very much Team Squat now, uh, at least as far as the miners go. I'm not so not so sure about the uh, League of Votan or, or whatever it is uh, for the uh, wider 40k universe. But these little miner guys, they're actually they're actually quite cool. I think.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, I haven't had a chance to run them. Um, I haven't even built a single one yet because um, I started reading them and I was like, actually. I was very much like you. I was happy for people who like squats that they were getting not only brought back into the main 40k universe, but obviously having a presence on Necromunda. Yeah. And you know, I'm always happy for more variety and options. And you know, it might just be the thing that swings a person into starting Necromunda, which I think's always a positive thing. You yeah. know, maybe they weren't so keen on any of the already established human gangs, and this is just a little bit of kind of a, a deviation from that. But my god, they seem like a really cool little gang. Um some so, really cool so, skills and tactics. Yeah. But just again, it's that they're not quite they're not quite Vansar, they're not quite Orlok, they're not quite Goliath, they're a little bit of some of those, but they do it in their own way.
1: Emphasis um, on the little bit. <laughs>
2: they little yeah <laughs> but my god these guys are going to put down volleys and volleys of just concentrated firepower oh, when absolutely. you see what their main shtick is how do you how do you want to go about this do you want to talk about the different types and then like the, the gear that they've got or...
1: yeah yeah we're, we're, we can just sort of gloss over it as, as we did with the, the, the nomads but one of the things that I, I do want to sort of mention about squats is to me it almost felt like they were a little bit orc like do you know what I mean it's like lots and lots of firepower dacca going on kind yeah. of tough you know kind of squished down bodies you know you know what I mean it's just that kind of vibe that I got from them
2: yeah no I think there's, there's a definite uh, parallel to be drawn there I wouldn't tell them that be like, oh, they would like orcs because don't <laughs> no. really like that but yeah no I, I can definitely see that Okay, so you got your um, your Ironhead Squad prospectors. Your Charter master is your leader, rocking in at one hundred and fifteen credits. Slow, but not as slow as I, I was thinking. Maybe three movement to be honest. Because did we get three inch movement on the um, on the Venator creation
1: list? I think there was. Yes, I've never played Venators myself, but I think you're right because you you get to pick from different stat lines, don't you? For, yeah. For the for the different Ganger types. Um, yeah, I think there was a three inch, but I, I don't. Th- I can't think of a, another gang as a standard that's ever had a three no, inch built in. No, no, no.
2: But uh, they're basically, they're rocking at the same speed as Vans are, which yeah. isn't bad, really, considering they're supposed to be like of short stature.
1: Um, You're <laughs> just having we- to really shift it.
2: Yeah, that's it. They're really rattling those feet across the floor. Yeah. Um, you got weapon skill and ballistic skill of three plus, so like. Really solid um, yeah. skills there. Strength three, which is okay, standard, but toughness four, yep. which is nice. Three wounds, like your lock leader, which yeah, is, don't see hell that yes, very often. we'll have a bit of that. They're going to soak it up and they're going to keep on coming. Uh, initiative five plus, so not yeah. the best uh, <laughs> initiative. This is where they're going to really kind of struggle. Uh, two attacks, which is fairly standard for a leader. Uh, good cool. Good um,
1: Good leadership. Good will, yeah. good intelligence. In fact, the whole like box out bit for the two dice at the end for squats is actually pretty good across the board. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yes, the the initiative for everyone absolutely terrible. I think apart from their Jews, interestingly enough, um, but you know a bit more younger, sprightly, so maybe they've got a bit more balance about them. But yeah, the initiative is terrible. But everything else stat wise isn't too bad. They don't get the same kind of baked-in goodies that you do with the with the nomads, but I think perhaps maybe that's reflected in the costs because they are well, the leader is slightly cheaper by by five credits by comparison. Um, but the equipment that they do get access to as a standard straight away and across all the different ganger types is actually quite surprising to be honest.
2: Yeah, the, the this is where the shame is. They're definitely kind of a tools heavy gang. um you only get eight in the box uh, which is obviously unique so far we've always got 10 miniatures i believe um yes. when it comes to getting a gang how many did you get in a redemptionist actually because i don't know if you did get that many in there, um
1: i have an unsealed box nearby i can check for you give me a second one two three four
2: five six yeah six models but then they tend to get bunched up with Cordor anyway don't they like yeah, you yeah. very i mean i know people do run fully redemptionist gangs but to get the most out of corridor it, it helps to kind of mix really but anyway yeah so less amount of bodies but then when you see the equipment that they can take oh absolutely like, yeah yeah you're going to be you're going to be wanting to run these as tooled up as possible i think because that's where that's where they really shine unlike the rest of the gangs there's no specialist champion you get your um your leader your champion your ganger and your juve there's no kind of prospects or anything like that um so you you probably be going to run in a smaller number of people but with ridiculous amount of uh, the buzzword for squats is just rapid fire,
0: rapid fire!
2: They get yes. rapid-fire everything. I mean, if they, if they had boxing gloves, they would be rapid-fire. It's just ridiculous. Anything that already has rapid-fire that other gangs have, they get extra. <laughs> they get an extra rapid-fire yeah. on top of it. Even their flamers come with their fire... All of the all of the flame weapons have Firestorm trait attached to it, which is essentially a rapid-fire flamer. It, it's just... It, it's crackers. They... It's, I mean, they have a stub pistol that's yeah. rapid-fire. <laughs> It's it's just insane.
1: It, yeah. Their their auto pistols are double rapid fire. Yeah. It's it's crazy.
2: Yeah, so the uh, amount of shots per activation is gonna be disgusting.
1: Yeah. The uh if it's got the Iron Head uh name branded across the weapon, yeah. you know you're in for a good time. The one that really stood out to me and like when I did my test game, I was like, I've never used one of these weapons before in new Necromunda at all. Um it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna try this and see what this is like, the Iron Head Melter Gun, uh, 155 credits, so not cheap, but it's a rapid fire melter gun. Yeah. But it's rapid fire melter on a five plus ammo roll. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It, 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 when you do actually get to fire it, it is nasty. Oh,
2: and the other cool thing that they get is they have back. All of them are wearing backpacks. Uh, which is the power pack, and they can attach an extra weapon to that over the top of how many weapons they can carry. Yeah, and it also gives them an extra attack in melee. So it's just like, and um, I mean, the range in in cost these things. So you get a circular stone saw, a fighting knife. No, sorry, a circular stone saw, uh, a gem extractor, an arc welder. Um, and they all attach, but they all have the power pack trait, which means that they attach to the power pack on like a little mechanical arm that comes over the shoulder. And yeah, it's just extra ways to kind of to tool them up. And obviously, they have got the carapace armour off the bat as well, uh, as a as a standard to the gun. So yeah, just really kind of overly um, armed, heavily tooled, badass little motherfuckers, really. Yeah,
1: basically, I mean... Again, uh, you're saying about the light carapace armour is available to the juves as well. Yeah. So, straight out the gate, you can have light, light carapace on a juve model.
2: Yeah, which is just craziness. Um, I think that's it for the for the weaponry. Obviously, I've never really took notice of mining lasers before um, because I never played James Taylor cultists Cultist, yeah. And I've never really looked at them outside of that. But Jesus Christ, they're nasty, aren't they?
1: Oh yeah,
2: strength nine. Yeah, that was yeah. I was I was reading. I was like, "Is that?" I mean, it's got you lose a little bit of the range on them. But Jesus Christ, that's a the horrible weapon. That uh, should we go over the um, the firestorm trait, which is what comes uh, on with all of the, the flame, flame weapons? So, the yeah. hand flamer, uh, flamer, heavy flamer, all come with uh, the firestorm rule.
1: Yes. It's an interesting one, the Firestorm roll. Yeah. Page 141. Uh, It says, When firing a Firestorm weapon, a successful hit roll scores a number of hits to the model closest to the weapon equal to the number of bullet holes on the firepower dice. Um, In addition, the controlling player can roll more than one firepower dice up to the number shown in brackets. For example, when firing a firestorm in brackets 2 weapon, up to two firepower dice can be rolled. Make an ammo check for each ammo symbol that is rolled. If any of them fail, the gun runs out of ammo. If two or more of them fail, the gun has jammed and cannot be used for the rest of the battle. So practically, the way that that works out is you've got a template, so you've got an automatic hit, but you then have to do your ammo check anyway for template weapons. But in this case, the number of bullet holes that you get on that, if you roll anything other than a 1, those are going to apply. It's a weird way that it works because it's the bit where it says about um, the model closest to the weapon. Yeah. Uh, gets the brunt of it, so it's not spread across everyone within the template, but just the poor bastard who's standing yeah. at the front.
2: Everyone's taking the hit.
1: Yeah. Everyone in the
2: template taking the hit, but that first guy closest to the business end, yeah, they're potentially getting absolutely annihilated.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that it adds all the detail about the number of um, rapid-fire dice that you you can kind of get for that. If you have a look at the um, Ironhead Heavy Flamer, which is the one out of all of the Flamers available, that you'd have thought, okay, maybe this will have a rapid-fire 2 trait on it then. It doesn't. It's still um, 1 in brackets, so you get Blaze, Firestorm, uh, Template, and Unweldy. So that means that potentially, at some point in the future, we're going to end up with something that's got Firestorm two on it, which is going to be insane because you can get up to six hits with with these uh, template weapons. Then, on yeah, someone.
2: but I also like the fact that it gives you the option to use one or less, like I'm oh, sorry, one or more. So it sounds like you choose whether you roll extra um, firepower oh, dice. Oh, I then... hadn't considered that. If you read that um, the way it's worded again... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, use for example, when using a Firestorm 2 weapon, up to two fire dice
1: can be rolled. Trolling player can roll yeah. more than one firepower dice, up to the number shown in brackets. Up to the... Oh, uh, firepower dice, up to the number.
2: So if it's one, you're just rolling one anyway. Yeah. But that would suggest you have to roll one, it can roll more than one if if there's more in the brackets. So if you had a Firestorm 2 weapon, you could roll one, just as standard, like one firepower dice, or you could choose to roll two. So if you're up against something that's a bit nastier than normal, you might want to kind of risk it, risk running out of ammo or having hmm. your guns jam. Again, it, it's just a cool little um, addition to make the weapon different, but it's not it's not like game change because yeah you're taking a lot of risks all of the flamer weapons have really high ammo rerolls like a lot of them are are scarce you know what I mean their fuel source is scarce so it's a risky weapon sometimes to take a flamer but yeah again it's just a It's just, yeah, rapid fire across the board. Literally everything is rapid fire. Even flamers are somehow rapid fire.
1: Their bolt guns are worth a mention as well, because it's exactly the same stats and everything else as you'd expect from a normal bolt gun, apart from rapid fire too. Um, So up to six hits with your, your standard profile for a bolt gun. Um, rocks in at 95 credits for the privilege though (laughs) so it really ups the cost but I have tried it and yeah when it hits it hits pretty well because a couple of times in my test game that I ran um, I got like five bullet holes roll up on those two dice and yeah it just lays waste it's it's almost as good as a heavy bolter um, but you know you're not paying quite the same for it you've not got to worry about the suspensor that comes along with it as well and bear in mind that pretty much i'm just going to double check this before i say it but i believe yeah even the Jews can take them uh, i mean admittedly you're looking at a ballistic skill 5 plus so you might want to be doing that at short range but <laughs> they can take them
2: yeah no they're they're definitely the tilled up boys they've they've kind of um knocked Vansar off the the board as the the boys with the guns. That, what you lack in um, ballistic skill, because I mean they tend to be threes and fours across the board as opposed to um, twos and threes. Yeah. Of Vansar, you make up for the fact that they can soak up a lot of punishment with that extra toughness.
1: Yes, very much so. Especially like um, the test game that I did. I randomly rolled up the um, weather effect where there's radiation and you just lose a toughness if you're outside uh, yeah. structure at the end of the round. So you could literally just stand there if you're up against a toughness 3 gang. and go, okay, I'm not moving anywhere. I'm just going to wait for you to die off. And yeah, you know, so that extra toughness always helps.
2: Well, absolutely. Um, also, they're, although they're not like necessarily built for melee, with the addition of getting... Um, the power pack weapons, which is giving them that extra attack, and the fact that they can kind of they've got the toughness to see them through, it mm. makes them a little bit more solid and meaty in in combat as well. Which again, they, they've got the solid shot of Orlock, but with more rapid fire. Yeah, they've got the the amount of um, guns and tech to compete with Vansar.
1: Mm. Skill access as well. yeah.
2: Yeah. And still massively uniquely their own thing. Yeah, Do you want to talk about the, the Wisdom of the Ancient skill tree? Because oh, that's absolutely, yes, specialist skill tree.
1: Yeah, just generally across the board. I don't think that they are quite as successful as the Nomad ones. Because with the Nomad ones, I was really struggling to go, okay, there's not a bad one here, really. Um, but with the Squat ones, they're good, but... I don't think they quite get to the Nomad level, in my opinion, at least, anyway. The one that stands out, I think, for me straight off the gate is nobody pushes kin around. Yeah. So a fighter with this skill is never moved as a result of a weapon trait or a skill being used against them. They also automatically pass any initiative tests they need to take to avoid falling when they go from standing to prone whilst within half an inch of an edge of a level or platform. Uh, by the way, the XO driller comes with that as a standard. So a lot often what you'll get with people is that uh, they'll go, OK, here's my big scary monster thing, but it's got knockback, so it's worth me running in to try and smack your one, because at the end of the day, if I can get that knockback to kick off, you're not going to get a retaliation. If they forget that your exo drill has got that, then it's, sm- it's clobbering time, basically, as soon as you get yeah. a chance for um, uh, hitbacks on that. So it's it's a fairly useful one. And the fact that when you're near a ledge, you, you know that you're not going to fall off means you can be running around on all the gantries and you're fine. Even if, yes, you are they're still running the risk of getting pinned. And it's very, very likely, given the fact that your initiative is bad, but at least with that skill, you're not falling off.
2: Yeah, again it's that another slight advantage you have against Fansar who famously kind of just trip over curves and, and fall to the death. Yeah, it's it's a nice little kind of uh, distinction from from the other gangs. I quite like Chemical Bonds Never Break. It's something little, but it's it's just the idea of getting to use a chem twice before it gets removed from the fighter card. Again, it's not ridiculous,
1: it's just... Ah, I think that's what it is. I've just looked at the list overall as you've said that, and I think this is the key point for me as to why the list didn't rate as as highly in my my personal opinion. Three out of these six skills are clearly aimed towards campaign play. So, you've got where there's scrap, there's creds, which is in the receive-reward step of the post-battle sequence, as long as this fighter is not captured or in recovery, their gang earns an additional D6 times 10 credits for each vehicle belonging to an opposing gang they have wrecked. Note that this fighter does not need to have taken part in the battle to gain this bonus. So that's clearly for campaign. Chemical Bonds that you've just mentioned, again, you get to use it twice on a card. It might not be in the same game, but in a campaign, that's useful because it's saving you yeah. money. And then you've got There's Always Another Secret. When this fighter opens a loot casket, they add an additional D6 times 10 credits to their gang's stash. Now, if you think about it from a campaign point of view, those suddenly become better skills to have. But if you're just doing skirmish games, that's three of those skills from that table straight off the table that you're not going to be interested in. Which only leaves you with Dependable Like Kin, which I think is the other standout one, and Stubborn to the Last.
2: Yeah, so Dependable Like Kin, I think that's a really solid one. Um, Half of it is very situational, so the fighter ignores the unstable trait on any weapon they're equipped with. Now, we've both kind of scraped and combed through the lists.
0: Yes, we Unstable
2: doesn't come along very often. But if you want to shoot plasma grenades out of a grenade launcher, you can do that until your heart's content, basically. If you want to fire a plasma cannon on Maximal, at no risk of getting blown up and just being left as a pair of smoking boots, you can do that as much as you want.
1: Leaving a certain uh, irony to the go big or go home statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Actually, go a little and stay where you are.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the second part of it is is probably going to come into effect more often, um, and that's uh, any weapon they equipment. Oh, sorry, you may re-roll any ammo checks that you have to take. Now that's really that's a solid skill in Necromunda yes. because ammo rolls are you know what I mean are, are an all too frequent thing, especially. If you're rolling rapid fire yes. three or rapid fire two yep. or uh, firestorm <laughs> uh, traits, it's just giving you that extra chance to stay in the game and keep your keep your gun loaded, basically.
1: Absolutely, that's kind of similar to the arachnorig thing, isn't it? You get to re-roll ammo checks or something like that. Don't you? That's
2: on. That's the twin link, isn't it? So ah, you get yes, the be- yeah. yeah. The th- thing about the creds now
1: what the designers
2: had said in response to some people come because people have been like oh it's ridiculous i can't i can't make the creds i can't you know i'm not making enough money and it's like no that's the whole point the ash wastes isn't like the hive there isn't always the ability to go and sell stuff or or free um like you know dig around for for cash you scrape and buy. the elements are out to kill you you know what i mean you, the chances of you scraping through are really slim Whereas if you've got a really expensive gang, which is what the the Ironhead prospects uh, prospects are, prospectors oh, yes. are mm. yeah, you're not you're not getting a lot of bodies on the board with a lot of gear. This is kind of it. it it's yes, it's catered to campaign play, but it means that as a gang who you know I mean, has a lot of high price equipment, you're gonna be able to get the funds in to access that equipment, which you're really gonna need as as the kin. They're not. They're not the fastest they're not there you know they, they haven't got the, the craziest kind of hooks and gimmicks to get them through it they've got to rely on that kit so it's like it's it's the one instance where it's almost like toys before boys
1: yeah um and at least they've got normal access to trading posts which means uh, grapnels so uh, dwarfs yeah. whizzing through the air 12 inches on 12 a a time yeah yeah Uh, It's the the time-honored tradition of, I've got a slow gang and let's get more grapnels. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're right about the cost. So again, in campaign, those three skills that we've we've kind of touched on there um, are going to be really useful because that list that I made, I had eight bodies in it. The leader came in at 353 credits and the champ who had the um, heavy stubber was 350 credits. The specialist ganger... Uh, had the melter gun and that was 285 and those the, the first two had carapace on the rest of them all, all had mesh um, and then various versions of like auto gun bolt gun stub gun uh, auto pistol just to sort of get all those rapid fire weapons in and just see how they performed um, so as a test list that that i had to run that as a 1500 point list to get that in it that's it's that expensive so these extra money-making skills for your squat are going to be very, very useful. Yeah. Um, the skill access that they've got outside of Wis- Wisdom of the Ancients, uh, if I have a quick look, um, Savant, does that feature in? Yes, Savant is a secondary for the leader, and that's the only one. Um, it doesn't f- factor in at all for any of the other the gang members. So it's an alternative way to access some of that uh, the resource money there, I think. Yeah. But yeah, so as we can see from that, the the squats I think are really interesting. You get uh, certain bits out of certain other gangs, all kind of squished into one little package. But it's it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how they go. I think they're they're all about the flavour. I'm not I'm not 100 certain at this point how they would do in campaign especially up close because yes you do have some quite snacky um, close combat weapons but I didn't actually get in in my test game I didn't even create myself a a sort of setup scenario for doing close combat so I I still don't know at this point how that's going to work out. The potential is definitely there for them because especially with that power pack trait on those weapons because I've got the leader that I built had the power pick Oh, oh, and that's speaking of which, um, power pick. First typo that I found in this book was the power pick because instead of it being a minus three AP, yeah. it's got a plus, <laughs> plus symbol, three. Yeah. which is crazy. It's, it's clearly, clearly a typo, and I expect that probably day one, they could put out a release on that to, to update the thing, if they want to, but they probably wait until they've got a few more things going. Yep, we kind of fucked up there, guys. Uh, that's supposed to be a minus three AP, yeah. because otherwise you're giving somebody who's got no armour, suddenly they've got a three-up save. Yeah. It's crazy. So, but yeah, power uh, my leader had a, a power pick, an arc welder, and a stub gun. Uh, So they could use all three of those on the attack, and you're getting an extra attack dice for it. So you get two as a standard for a leader, one for dual wielding, uh, one for charging, so that's your four. And then you get a fifth one, just because you've got an extra weapon that's got this power pack trait on it. You could then, because of the way that that works, have another one on top of that, so you could go in with six dice. So it adds up pretty quick, and it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. re- reflect in the cost of that because a circular stone saw does have the power pack trait, but it's only twenty-five credits. So you could easily get yourself an extra attack dice on that straight off.
2: Absolutely, and when you think if you're running in with pistols with rapid fire, and they both have the sidearm trait, yeah. then you're, you're knocking those kind of potential to to break through even more so. Yeah, the really solid little gun, I think. Yeah. Um, One thing worth noticing for the Ironhead prospectors is that we do get a specific crew for them. Now, crew, obviously, is something that we weren't sure about how it was going to work in the uh, Ashworth rulebook. But um, now, basically, we we do know exactly how it's going to work, and we can probably make some uh, educated guesses as to how it's going to work moving forward. The crews so far, Orlock and Ironhead have their own named specific ones. Guild of Coin have a specific um, crew, uh, and then everyone else, every other gang, has to use the generic kind of yes. crew at the moment. They all have different stats, so um, the Ironhead squad is the same stats as the the guild of coin which are better than the generic crew but none of them are quite as good as the orlock crew which have the better stats at the moment so far i'm assuming we'll see kind of where the different house gangs have their own specific crews as books come out that we'll see like they'll have certain stats that are improved over others yeah um yeah i just thought that that mentioning. Oh,
1: absolutely, and I completely agree. I reckon we've got potential for seeing all kinds of additional crew types coming out in the future that are yeah. perhaps applicable to everyone, or it might be certain gangs specifically.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it, obviously it is... Another thing that's new to Cruise, because it's it's a new kind of aspect of the game, is they, they get an equipment list, so it's like a, a house list that's available to them. So they have uh, the vehicles that they can take, the weapons that they can take, and the war gear that they can take, um and that's dictated uh, within the book itself. Yes. Obviously, that's opened up to further options when you get into the campaign, but from creation, you're limited to what vehicles and weapons and everything you can take. But yeah, no, again, I think they're a solid little, really solid little gang. Can you stand um, out
1: tactics cards for you? Because I've got two in particular. Well, no, you read them out then. Uh, right, well, the first one, which I thought was pretty cool, and again, it's an immediately cool one, in my opinion, is Fire in the Hole. In the hole. Um, which is play this gang tactic at the start of the battle after both sides have deployed, but before the first round. For the duration of this battle, D3, friendly fighters of your choice, count as being equipped with blasting charges. So if you get lucky on that, you've suddenly just gained over 100 credits worth of equipment in the form of very nasty grenades.
2: Yeah, really horrible. <laughs> but very very fitting for uh, what are supposed to be kind of miners, oh, it makes sense. Absolutely,
1: yes. Um, the other one that kind of stuck out to me was Deathblow. Which is, play this gang tactic when resolving damage on an enemy fighter as a result of an attack made by a friendly model, after rolling the injury dice. So it's after you've rolled the dice, Okay, so you get to see what happens first before you go, oh I'm playing this. Um, If you roll two or more results of seriously injured, the enemy fighter is taken out of action instead. That, for a gang that has access to many, many rapid-fire weapons that aren't exactly light on the strength and AP, um, is really strong, in my opinion. Yeah. Because you roll... Let's let's say you take just an ordinary bolt gun, which is, what, minus one AP for, for a... Um, so I say the words ordinary bolt gun. What I mean is when you take an Ironhead bolt gun with rapid fire 2 and you roll 5 hits on it at minus 1 AP and you're shooting at someone that probably doesn't even have an, any armour or at best they've got like flak, um, that suddenly takes that away. You then go on to rolling the... Let's say it's a ganger. That's immediately 5 injury dice that you're rolling. And how many times have you rolled... Uh, seriously injured, seriously injured, seriously injured on you know rapid fire, or, or situations where you're rolling multiple injury dice. It happens quite a lot, um, and statistically it'll happen a lot as well. So in this case, you can just go, ah, damn it! I really wanted that model off the table. Oh well, I'm just going to play this tactics card. Now they're gone. I don't have to yeah. run over and coup de gras them. They're just gone. <laughs>
2: Yeah, sometimes it can be really frustrating when you're rolling multiple dice and you get multiple seriously injured because yes. they're just stacks, yeah? And it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, damn it! You seriously injured three times, that doesn't make any... I easy. mean, in a but, close yeah.
1: combat situation, it's not the worst thing because you're like, okay, no, I, I, I ran into this fight knowing that this was a possibility and yeah. so I'll take the hit and go, all right, coup de grace. If it's important, to get rid of them or you can just leave them to bleed out and let someone else run in and get the XP. But in this instance, it's a case of I've just shot at someone, rapid fire. I'm not within a, a, a situation to get to them in any kind of time time efficient way because of my movement four. So, OK, um, what I'm going to do then is uh, just use this card. And I just thought it was a really good card that's going to come in useful pretty much any time you play.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of them are kind of... Um... Situational waste. So again, you're going to get ones that affect visibility, give you better visibility. Yeah. Um. You get one to uh, increase your ballistic skill for one attack. Um. And like assault tunnel. So again, essentially you gain an infiltrate, like a a, a smaller version of infiltrate yes. for one of your fighters. Yeah. Just. Just. Yeah. Really solid tactics card at the start, I think. Um, nothing ridiculous. I mean, even Deathblow, I don't think all OP. Oh, no. I think it's just it's just a nice little kind of... Bearing in mind,
1: you uh, only get to do it once, and that's your card exactly. burn. And if you use the system yeah. that we've been using recently, um, where you, you build a deck, which is a fairly common thing, in our case, deck of 20, uh, then you pick randomly, drawing above the number that you have set for the scenario, which is often two. So in our case, it tends to be like four cards you draw... Pick the ones you want out of the four down to two. So there's the element of randomness in there. But for the last campaign, we added in burning cards as well. So once, so you can have the cards laid out for your game. If you don't use them, that's fine. They go back in the deck. But if you actually use them in a game, they're burnt until you get all the way through the deck, and then you you can start again from scratch. Which means that you are going to end up at some point using every single card in the deck because. Something that happens if you're randomising is that you're never going to get to use all of them. But you you still want... If you've spent all that time building a a deck of 20 cards, you want to use the cards that are in there because you've specifically customised them for your gang. So it keeps the randomised element in there, but it also means that you're using all of them. So in yep. that kind of instance, again, that's a card that you're not going to see for the rest of the, the rest of the campaign potentially if you're slow on using your tactics cards. So yeah, it's a it's a one-time, one-use kind of thing. I I think you're absolutely right. It's not op, but it, it's just nicely balanced. Yeah, So squats. Pretty cool. I think most people there would be able to go, alright, I can see why you might have changed your mind a bit. They've got some pretty cool aspects. But yeah, shall we move on then to talking about the customised vehicles? Because uh, I think that's going to be the other major draw from this book.
2: Yeah, the Wasteland Workshop. So essentially, like Steve said, it's, it's Build-A-Bear but with uh, <laughs> vehicles, essentially. Now, it's broken in into it in two parts. You've got um your your literal like custom vehicle you build what you want uh, with some limitations but we'll talk about those Uh, then it talks about the upgrades and the war gear but then it also has a list for the Jane Steeler cultist vehicles that we mentioned earlier as well so yeah really quite in depth really cool what I do like about it is that um, anything you design is considered like you've just put it together it's not it's not a mass produced vehicle it's not a house produced vehicle it's just you could have cobbled this together from like a hundred different machines and made something that's going to kind of... Very Mad Max. Yes. I mean, literally Mad Max.
1: Which is um, nice because we've seen so many people making beautiful vehicles and I was worried yeah. until this book came out that, oh, what happens if it comes out and they can't use that for whatever reason? I'm not really worried anymore.
2: No, no, I think there's a way you could find to represent most things using this so essentially it's broken up into three parts uh, choose your base vehicle template purchase your vehicle upgrades and then purchase your war gear every vehicle has the special rule jury rigged now um, because you have built this yourself whenever you're repairing them it costs double the cost of any other vehicle so uh, I'm saying any other vehicle now at the minute all we have is the Orlok quad the the Outrider quad the generic jean Steeler cult vehicles and the ridge hauler they're the only official vehicles that don't have the jury rigged um rule at the moment but that is worth taking into account that any repairs that you need to do it in the post-battle action uh, post-battle sequence is going to cost you twice as much to repair them but you get a lot of flexibility to play around with do you want to talk about the different uh, base templates and from uh, there. yeah
1: if we, we sort of gloss over this because I realise that we've been here for a while already so if we just sort of give the, yeah. the, the h- highlights of this because people uh, the bottom line of this I'm just going to drop this right now in the middle of this kind of review of this is if you want vehicles in your game you're going to need this book anyway and it's a good book in my opinion so just go get it Yeah, there you are. Games Workshop, there's your plug. I agree that people should go get this book. But yeah, let's let's just go over the details so that people have got an idea of what's coming out.
2: Yeah. So you've got light vehicles, uh, medium, heavy, and walker. So and you think, well, that's not really a lot to go on. But then.
1: But wait, (laughs) there's more.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Exactly your light vehicle comes in at 50 creds and this is equivalent to the quads that the um the orlock have or the uh wolf rider quad that you get for the um the wolf quad sorry for the james taylor cultists. so it's not got the best armor but it's quite nippy um and each vehicle has a body and engine with a number underneath it which denotes how many upgrades you can put under it so you've got um yeah light medium, heavy and walker are the different types you then go on to uh, an upgrades now each vehicle has a weapon hard point I think they all only have one he- weapon hard point apart from the heavy though, is that correct? Uh, yes, the, the, the weapon
1: hard point really kind of comes into play in multiples when you're looking at the uh, cargo hauler
2: Yes, um, obviously um, you could buy extra weapon hard points as upgrades, and, but that depends on how many slots you've got on the body part of that list I was talking about earlier. So light vehicles have one, so they can only add extra, one extra weapon. Medium vehicles have two, they can have two extra weapons. Uh, heavy vehicles have four, they can add four, and uh, walkers are two again. Interestingly, the quad, the official all or quad, can't add extra weapons. They can add different weapons and swap them yes. over... Uh, between games, but you can't add extra ones to it. But it does get a bonus that we will look at there that other vehicles don't. I'm guessing
1: get. that's where the uh, the upgrade option comes into it because you can still upgrade those, right? You can upgrade them, but
2: you can't add extra weapons. Ah, okay, because it's got zero on the body. If you look oh, at oh right, okay, cool. Yeah, it's only got drive and engine The Important
1: thing to note is uh, for all of these vehicles is that they've all got a locomotion type. So even with like this light vehicle that we're talking about, it's not like a carbon copy quad but with just a couple of customizations on it it could be a wheeled or a tracked vehicle Uh, and then that um changes depending on the size of the vehicle and type of vehicle moving on from that point
2: yeah okay so um your light vehicle can be either wheeled or tracked your medium vehicle can be wheeled or tracked And uh, your large vehicle can be wheeled or tracked. And basically, what you're doing is you're reducing the vehicle's movement um, profile by one if you make it tracked as opposed to wheeled. But then you're gaining benefits on um, the difficult terrain. You're not losing that extra movement with when you're going over uh, rough terrain. So yeah, definitely worth. So none of
1: them have got the skimmer tray.
2: No, this is uh, the skimmer tray at the minute can only be um, added by using the uh, anti-grav generators, which are 50 credits. Oh, okay,
1: so that's an upgrade. Ah.
2: Yeah, that's a drive upgrade. Uh, Rare 10 for everyone, except for Vansai, I get that for Rare 8. But these are all custom vehicles, that's how they're referred to in the book. And then you've got custom vehicle equipment list. Now, at creation, it's quite a limited list, and you, uh, it's got a list of the different body upgrades you can take the different drive upgrades you can take and the different engine upgrades you can take and the kind of weapons that you can take now you can take others once you get to campaign so trading post you can buy extra things for them so hang on i've made a list of this so there's 29 upgrades all for vehicles and these can go across all vehicles not just custom yeah. vehicles i'm just explaining to, to the listeners so there's 29 in total you get 14 body upgrades but you can only access 5 of those at creation. You get um, 7 drive upgrades but you can only access 3 of those at creation. Mm -hmm. And you get 8 engine upgrades and you can only access 3 of those at creation. And worth
1: noting that unless otherwise stated, no upgrade can be fitted more than once.
2: No. Uh, The war gear that you can add as well um, there's there's no limit on how much war gear you take, it's just that you can't double up on war gear, it's just one of each again um, so yeah, any of these vehicles you take off the bat you're limited to harpoon launcher, heavy stubber and mining laser, at least at creation um, you can also add special weapons onto weapon hard points as opposed to heavy so you could take a grenade launcher or a long las. Or you can take basic weapons, which would be an auto gun or a las gun, and they all have to be added to um, weapon hard points. So some of them only have one, some of them have two, some of them you can add extras too. Uh, but yeah, you don't necessarily have to have a he- heavy weapon on a vehicle, which I think is interesting. Uh, it's going to reduce the cost a lot if you're not running heavies, but obviously it's going to make it give it less of a punch uh, in-game. Yeah.
1: Now, I think the thing is, is that there is a lot, of information to take in here with all of the um custom vehicle equipment list and the vehicle upgrades and it does break down each one individually in this book and give you a bit of information as to to what it does obviously because uh, otherwise why would you take it but because of the sheer number of them i don't think it's worth us going into any particular details what for this session of talking about this um, because we'll be here for another hour at least easy on this yeah. so I tell you what listeners if you are if you are listening to this right now and you want us to sit here and break down all of these in a separate shooting the shit in the next episode I'm quite happy to do that but you let us know on the um, Discord or on the Facebook group that you want that to happen and then we'll do it otherwise we'll move on to something else but just as a very very quick overview there is a lot of really cool stuff in here to really customise your vehicles out the wazoo so well worth it.
2: Yeah, there's ways to make them faster. Ways to make them better on different kinds, types, t- types of terrain. May- ways to make them easier at handling, so that you're getting them started quicker. You're taking better. You're getting better results from your loss of control tests. There's ways to uh, make them faster, go further. Uh, yeah, t- some of them even make them fly. Apparently, and turn them into grav, um, anti-grav vehicles. There's ways to uh, you can add like sections on some of the vehicles where people can stand without having to take initiative checks it it's really, really like i say there's 29 possible upgrades and the variables in that with obviously your, your basic kind of four types of um base vehicle and then all of the vehicles that uh, sorry all the vehicles that are going to be coming out will assume along the road it's it's so many moving parts that it just makes for so much variety yeah.
1: and then of course there's the, as you say the war gear on top of that which is even more yeah. options so yeah loads and loads of different things there um, when this book does land for you people you're gonna love it I think honestly if you if you've been waiting all this time to get all vehicles this is the one that you want
2: yeah, definitely. Okay, I think I've seen the price. All of the retailers release the price lists, don't they? And I don't know if it's a leak or what, or if it's supposed to be known. But I think it's thirty quid for this book, and I have to say, I would absolutely pay the money for it. I think it's well worth its money. This, this is essentially everything you need to get vehicles into Necromunda. Yeah. You don't need any more. Yes, you you could benefit from having the campaign or the expanded weather or regional effects but just to get a flavor and just to get some vehicles on the board and running around this is everything yeah, yeah. essentially
1: um quick note on the cargo hauler uh sorry the cargo eight ridge hauler then perhaps it is in here all the details you need for running it are here uh how much detail do we want to go in on this one? I mean, it have got all the bits for the trailers that you can purchase, 230 credits for the vehicle itself, tons of upgrades and, and body upgrades, you know, like uh, extra armor and stuff like that, not that you really need it on the standard stats that it's got with its toughness and so on, but, you know, there's again, there's so much that you can do with it and also, which was quite nice, there's actually four whole pages dedicated to just artwork of how you might want to kit out your your vehicle differently for that, for the hauler So
2: I think with the Ridge hauler it's a beautiful kit it's got some really cool, flexible rules in there, but also I think it's going to be very specific to scenarios that you're writing with your friends or campaigns, or I don't think the price it comes in at and how kind of situational it is i do wonder if it's going to be more of a kind of a yeah a special scenario written thing yeah. i mean that's not how it's written it's written as a vehicle that anyone can take so you can get one for your gang if you want one but it's uh yeah i don't know how often you'd actually want to be running these as uh, one of these as part of the gang i mean if you think you've got 400 credits on top of your thousand you could spend that easily just on the ridge hauler, yeah, like without even batting an eyelid. What, what if you took a ridge hauler on one crate? Uh, sorry, one trailer that's uh 360 credits there. That's without any weapons or anything like that. So,
1: the other thing that I suppose it's really worth a quick mention is that I did also get sent um Vesper Minx Medina, the Orlock Bounty Hunter. Um, so by the sheer fact that it says Orlok Bounty Hunter I'm assuming that the 245 credits that you spend on her is going to be for the one game only yeah honestly other than sort of confirming with my thoughts uh, my speculation before it has has actually turned out to be right which is that all the extra bits on that quad bike are forge world resin uh, on top of a standard plastic sprue that you get for one of the quad bikes We've seen everything for it already in the Warhammer community previews. The only other thing that's perhaps worth mentioning is the rot rocket launcher itself, which is called Mischief, uh, interestingly, um, which has frag rockets and crack rockets, uh, and it's that's it. It's it's nothing else. Um, sort of funky on top of that. There's a custom stub gun. As, which the driver will be able to use there as well. So in certain instances of vehicles, you can fire ordinary weapons. So that would be the one that you'll want for that. Um, but she's got uh, Jinx and Trick Shot. So Jinx would be one of the new driving skill tree uh, skills there as well. But it's just a really cool model, and as with a lot of the Forge World ones, if you like the look of it, you like the idea of including it in your gang, then it's for you. Um, if you don't like the look of it, it is not necessary at all. And I know that, unfortunately, a lot of bounty hunters don't tend to see a lot of play in, in games. So uh, it might be one that just ends up sitting as a, a nice little viewing piece in your your cupboard for all your models. But
2: I mean, you could run it as a standard kind of all quad and just purchase a missile launcher it doesn't have to take those special rules and be that special character if if that's the way you want to just get because it's a gorgeous looking model from like from the images i've seen yeah
1: as i say it was it was was, before i got sent it an insta buy for me um as part of a a wider orlock gang especially in sort of campaign and so forth although i think it might benefit more from just running a, a higher points list and for your vehicles Uh, You just go, all right, well, yes, technically a bounty hunter, but it is a vehicle as well, so I'm just going to use my 400 extra credits and buy her into the gang that I'm building for your skirmish. So that'd be a good way of doing it.
2: I did think it was interesting that she's not in the book.
1: Yeah, she's not in the book at all, but you do get a nice little booklet with actually some very elaborate coloured build instructions as well. Um, which I've not seen before for anything from Forge World, so that was nice. But um, yeah, it's we've not got any additional character uh, in this book. It's all for the gangs, isn't it? So you've got like the Bug Wrangler, and then you've got the Exo Driller thing, which is pretty cool. This, oh, the beast. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, and the, oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Beastmaster master as a hanger on is the one generic hanger on. But you've on. not got any sort of like those side box additional characters. Like no. Alice no. There's and no. Like that. There's
2: no named characters or anything like yeah. that. No. It's it, It's all been very. It's all very generic through the book. Yeah. Um. Is it worth noting that? Um. Essentially, there's nothing really locked in here. You get expanded detail for the Outrider Quad which is good it's it's a solid little vehicle like i said it's got no ability to take extra weapon hard points but it has a special skill of um dedicated gunner which was something we didn't get in the little booklet that came with ashwursts yeah. and basically you can move your full movement characteristic and shoot instead of only moving half like uh, most other vehicles have yes. to because it's got I, i'm assuming it's the person sat on the seat operating the gun um it's just essentially the same it's got a limited amount of upgrades uh weaponry that you can take a creation obviously that opens up through campaign so you can still only take the harpoon launcher and heavy bolter so if you had built it like that you haven't made it redundant or you're not thinking oh shit i wish i took this instead because you didn't really get much of an option with you shouldn't
1: that. have glued that peg hole at the back with the quad bike that's what i'm <laughs> gonna say <laughs> we all knew it was gonna happen you shouldn't have done it um, especially as you can buy extra arc faces as well as you as you upgrade your vehicle. I think it's, what, 15 yeah. credits an arc face, so you could turn that's it to right, a 360-degree yeah. turnable weapon um, for 45 credits, which seems well worth it, in my opinion. And that's on oh, any absolutely. arc facing point, I think, that's not limited by the shape of the vehicle. So, for example, the um, cargo weight ridge hauler thing, uh, that's got certain weapons where it has to have an arc facing of like to the left or to the right because it's sort of like built into the the cab itself, so it can't turn all the way around.
2: Yeah, which makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You, you couldn't really yeah. shoot it through the back of the truck. Yeah, um, and obviously they get their specific, their house specific crew, which have slightly better stats than the other crews mm-hmm. that we've seen so far. And you do
1: get your tactics um, cards in book form uh, for the Orlock vehicles in here as well, which yeah. we, we've not really touched at all um there were a couple of highlights for me so it might be just worth reading out those ones because it is literally just the cards as as chris has said so wheels of iron drive by and back in the saddle were some that really stood out for me wheels of iron uh play this gang tactic when a friendly vehicle is targeted by an attack for the duration of this attack increase the toughness characteristic of the arc being hit by one so especially on your lighter vehicles that's going to be useful Uh, For drive-by, it's play this gang tactic when activating a friendly vehicle. For the duration of this activation, the vehicle treats the move and shoot basic action as a simple action. And that has come in useful when I've uh, been using the vehicles already, um, because you do get to shoot twice, essentially. And then the last one, as I mentioned, was back in the saddle which is play this gang tactic when activating a friendly fighter with the mounted condition who is prone and pinned. So if you're going to be buying dirt bikes for your gangers, this is the one. Um, the fighter immediately becomes standing and active without using any actions. So it's kind of like, um, what's the one? Spring up for Escher, but without the test and not as a skill. So it's a one use card. You don't have to worry about anything. You're back on your feet and good to go. So I just thought yeah. that was pretty cool. But they're all in there, Um, so if you don't want to buy the cards anymore because obviously they're one of those things where sometimes you don't know how many they are going to be, what the availability is like, they're in the book. So another reason then to to get hold of this if you're into your Orlocks really.
2: Absolutely, and it also it's indicative of the fact that we might see this across the gangs.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, in future books that we get come out we might be seeing that for Escher and well, all the other main six houses really. Although probably yeah. not so much in forces and uh, Corpse Grinders. Hopefully we're going to see a bit of love for the Genestealer cultists now, especially seeing as everybody's going to be nicking their vehicles. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um and they're really solid actually. I'm really impressed at the rules for the I think uh Ridge Runner's gonna be extremely popular vehicle. Yes.
1: I have been eyeing those up already.
2: <laughs> yes. Yep, see them here. Uh, I think they're gonna be a solid little workhorse. Oh it also bears mentioning that when it, it it gives you some rules about turning your gang into a wasteland gang and essentially the only real changes is that you get the fourteen Hundred credits on, as opposed to the 1,000. You also, you're not an outlaw or a law abiding when you're a wasteland gang. You're kind of in the middle, so you don't suffer any positive or negative effects either way. Often buying from um, the, the trading post and the black market. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and you can essentially buy mounts for anyone for 50 credits. It's got, it, it mentions it as like a dirt bike in there, but it also says in the little box that the the number of mounts and the types of mounts are kind of uh, infinite and it could be cybernetic animals or horses or bikes or whatever. So that
1: image that people have had in their head of a whole gang of Esher riding around on giant battle cats, that's a thing now. You can do it, but
2: basically what's going to happen, unless they bring out specific mounts in other books, which I think they might and probably will, uh, it all counts as the dirt bike, which is essentially just gives you a movement of eight. On top of, yeah, it just changes your movement, essentially, and you gain the mounted condition as long as you're kind of running with the card that has that. So it doesn't matter what it is that you're running, it all counts as a a dirt bike, so that basic extra um, movement uh, in the wastes.
1: And mounts inside the Hive, apparently, from the reports that I've heard from people who bought ash wastes, uh, are actually quite fun. Um, because especially if you're playing Zone Mortalis uh, you've got the corridors and things but you've not got the worries about vehicles spinning out and crashing into walls with mounts so uh, no, crack on with I those mean, as I... long as you've not got ladders <laughs> Well
2: that's the thing it, 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 they, they'd suffer in sector mechanicus games because obviously they can't go on terrain so you're stuck on the bottom of the the plane surface whatever it is you're playing on but in Zone Mortalis yeah it's just extra movement isn't it Yeah.
1: Right, any last closing thoughts on the book before we wrap this one up?
2: No, I, I, I'm really impressed at the amount that they've squeezed in there. It is a little bit crazy. You, you are like, oh my God, and now it's another gang, and now it's another gang, and now it's vehicles, and now it's these vehicles, and now it's create your own vehicles, and now it's vehicle rules. But um, I think they've done a great job with it. I'm really impressed, and hopefully... All those people who were like, well, I'm not paying for the the waste box set. I don't want it. And all those people who were like, well, we should have just got this. We should have just... Well, you've got it. It's there.
1: Stop your moaning now. you got it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Again, just to reiterate what you said earlier, highly recommend it. No qualms. I wouldn't feel like I'd robbed anyone or pushed anyone in the wrong direction or coerced them. If you get this, you can basically... Go batshit crazy, making vehicles for any gang, and just have some crazy fun with it.
1: I mean, the amount of people that we've seen hitting up like local toy stores or charity shops, or just you know robbing their children's toys (laughs) and converting them into post-apocalyptic ash waste vehicles, already. um, This is this is the book for you because you don't have to go and buy any of these vehicles um, as official kits, although. The, the cargo hauler still calls to me I, I need to get that when it comes out still because I've got the plan it's going to become the SCR tour bus basically uh, for the road show so I'm, expect the paint job for that eventually when I get a new airbrush to, to, to be featured on the on the Facebook page and my Instagram <laughs> but it, it, it's it's not cheap not going to lie it's, it's it's really quite expensive for what it is um, and you can as I say you probably go buy a couple of cheap toys for, for kids and make something just as cool if you've got the time to sink into doing it that's the thing isn't it when it comes to customizing your work and conversions it's the time and effort that you want to dedicate into doing it if you want a really cool vehicle and you've got the money just go buy the big truck but if you want to have something that's more your own and customized then you know sky's the limit
2: yeah no um agreed i think this really opens it up for kit bashers, for scratch builders for 3d printers for people who just like printing stuff there's so many options in here to fit pretty much any crazy contraption you can think of in outside of flyers you know like i'm all over i'm gonna make a walker they're not the greatest vehicle but i just thought they've included the rules for them i'm definitely gonna definitely gonna make one
1: well I've got one sat in my cupboard I've got one of those um, Imperial Guard ones the old ones that were out and I'd 3D printed all the lifting forks for it and it was just going to be oh, a bit of yeah, scenery yeah. so I can actually use that now so I might have to like you know, stick some barbed wire and rust on it or something and send it out there with a gun attached to it
2: Exactly, a repurpose yeah. uh, No, um, really solid book, really flexible lots of really cool stuff Nomads look really fun uh, Prospects look really fun so i'm keen to see where we go from here um yeah but just with this book alone it's going to keep you busy for weeks and weeks to be I'm fair called, yeah. if you were to try out everything in it even if you were to try everything in it yeah i think it'll take you weeks of solid play time to really exhaust it um i i i, I was the one who got sent the ridge hauler um and what a piece of it is gorgeous it is expensive i, I looked it's comparable to like um an orc—I can't remember what you call it Oh, the battle orc, wagons. Like a, the bigger battle wagon with the like the death roller on the yeah, front. Yeah. One of the—I think that comes out at about sixty quid, and, and I thought we'd seen the—is it around 57, 58 uh, 52, quid?
1: Fifty-two, I think, for this. Yeah. That right. was the leak price, anyway. Yeah. TBC.
2: And obviously, you're going to get a discount from your friendly old gaming store. Which is going to minimise that. It is expensive. It is a solid kit. I will say that, and it it's going to be lend itself really well to kit bashing and converting. So if that's what you're into and you've got the money. I would say get one, but don't feel like you're missing out. It's not going to be uh, an everyday part of every game. It's going to be very situational, I think. It's going to
1: be a display piece for most of the time, but then for those occasional yeah. like missions where you need to have one, it's going to look really cool when you got it.
2: Yeah, it will look gorgeous. There's no two ways about it. I mean, it's it's JW plastic. It's exactly what you'd expect. All those proxies that we've seen people make, and they look just as fucking good, man. And you know, if that's what you want to do, then go for it. You're not missing out on anything as long as you can get containers and stuff on the back of it, and you can represent weapons, whatever you're running. cool. And I love seeing kind of how people do kind of just come up with shit out of nowhere and scratch build and and make. But yeah, for those of you who have the money and not necessarily have the time or the the skills to to, to make your own, definitely, yeah. definitely worth grabbing.
1: Cool. So there you go, folks. That is our thoughts on the Book of the Outlands. Again, thank you, GW, for sending us copies of the book, the uh, squats, the cards for the squats... In Chris's case, the cargo hauler, you bastard. And in my case, Vesper (laughs) Minx Medina. So, yeah, thank you very much for all of that. And, uh, yeah, guys, uh, what we'll do now is we will have a quick break and a tune that is going to be oddly appropriate for the Squats. And then we'll be back with your letters.
3: Hello, dear listener. I'm Brother Johns, a representative from the Hurting Guild of Hive Primus and faithful servant of House Cardor. Know that we pray for your immortal soul and that the blessings of the God Emperor may shine upon you. You are listening to some city radio, the most revered of
0: all Underhide radio transmissions. That's right, motherfucker.
2: Okay, welcome back, listeners, and now it's time for your letters. It's your letters,
0: it's your letters. It's your letters, it's your letters.
2: Right, so this is the segment of the show where we find out just how diseased the minds of our listeners are. So uh, without any further ado, let's have a look. Okay, so our first letter is from Bossman. Okay, so Bossman here of the furnace slavers. Far too long have we called out the
3: Ashgrad Technoclasts and they kept hiding in the shadows, too afraid of our reputation to face us. Well, we finally hunted them down. It was real sneaky, like a Delac. We found a recorded message from
2: Klaus saying, It's not important whether you win or lose, but that you give it really hard. I won't read the note out there next to it. <laughs> <laughs> We knew when we were close. We snuck up on them real loudly. <laughs> I mean, that's counterintuitive to stealth, but... <laughs> It is Galoth, I suppose. Yeah. Boomstick little off one of them fancy stun shots from his grenade launcher. Crusher opened with his bolt gun. They shot back with those
3: pesky little las guns, but they was no match for our furnace plates, and our boys stood strong mister Big shoved some slime up his nose, sending him crazy. He legged it towards those pesky rat boys faster than I've ever seen a Goliath move. He mowed a couple down in a flurry of blows with his pulverizers before an ambot tried ripping him ripping him apart. Maybe it was the slime that knocked him out. Maybe the ambot sang him a lullaby. I dunno, but he sure slept well that night. The dome started collapsing with a valuable crystals raining everywhere. Most of the boys were too distracted with filling their pockets with riches. Me and young Deadeye though, jeez, he's a good lad, kept pushing at the pesky rad boys. Me croc Teefy took a hit on his tanks and knocked him out and that was it. I was pissed. I pushed forward, lining gangers up one by one, swinging at him with my power hammer and knocking him out of the dome. Couldn't get his power working, something was draining it. But you know, a hammer's still a hammer. That's
2: good advice. I find yes. that's really valuable life good life life advice. A hammer is still a hammer.
1: Uh, quite deep for a glide. Really, isn't it? It's beautiful, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, profound.
3: Uh, <laughs> Did I lit up the red boy's leader with a milder gun. That barrel was almost right in his face. The red boy had no hope. Did I took on a few gangers with his axe. Reckon he took out about 15 of them. They just kept coming. It was almost like he was in training. One of them got lucky with the butt of his pistol on Dead Eye and knocked him out cold jeez he's a good lad that Deadeye is mentored him myself from a young ganger right through to a specialist might even lead his own crew one day is there something going on here because he seems to have a lot of nice things to say about Dead Eye I don't yeah. know I don't know uh, I turned around to swing at the pesky flying girl that was in front of me pissing me off even more but she was gone I looked round and they were all gone like a delac in the dark the dome was empty. I trudged over to the rat boy's leader and bent over his unconscious body. I said to him, "You can tell your mate, Klaus. That's how you give it hard." Oh dear! Wow! Fucking fight and talk shots. I've been fired yeah. here. <laughs> Dead-eye woke from his sleep, still enraged, and we had to keep him pinned down until he calmed down. He promised revenge at the pesky rat juve that knocked him out. I thought about going after Klaus. But it's too hard to find one man in this big old hive. So we're hunting down some pain in the ass boys who think that they is the Emperor's favourite people. I think, think they is the Zions of Zinch. We heard some sort of fuckery is going on and we needed to sort it out. We also heard goth Juice will be visiting our part of the hive down under soon. Might have uh. to give him some true Goliath hospitality. Guess I'll clean me hammer for that one. There's been a big thing to write. Me hand hurts, me brain hurts. So I'll <laughs> sign off now. Until next time, Klaus, watch your back. Boss man. forge tyrant of the furnace
1: slavers. There you go. There's a lot to unpack there. That was. I mean, well, first off, for a Goliath, very, very eloquent. Um, extremely yeah Um, secondly did Goth Juice have a parole board meeting coming up soon or something that we've not been told about because if he's supposed to be getting out soon
2: well we can only uh, assume that that's the case I mean he he could be doing this unofficially and uh, maybe he's just escaped but
1: yeah well (coughs) I'll have to double check then and see if he's still (laughs) going to be available for the next war room Um, but yeah there's that Uh, and this I don't know this is Felt somewhere between a, a, an audition for like a Goliath seeking like acting work and um, sort of like a, a manifesto of some kind. I don't know.
2: I, I knew who it is who's wrote that.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boss man, forged tyrant of the Bus, furnace slaves. Yeah, they yeah, signed yeah. it and everything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, um, I'll be having words with somebody
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> about the seeming vendetta with Klaus. Oh
1: dear! Yeah. We'll so have to um, see what
2: Klaus has got to say on that. I wonder if he's got something to say next episode. About yeah,
1: that. I have Klaus clap back.
2: So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so Sorry, leather letter two. Two.
1: Bear in mind, listeners, that we're we're a bit limited for how many letters we're getting out here at the moment because the uh, mail is being sent directly to Sump City Radio studio and then, of course, we're having to have a few of them forwarded out to us.
2: Yeah, and it's not the most reliable service. Uh, right, OK, so... I heard from some bald at the bar that the mayor of Sump City had a fracking garden party with booze and cheese during the zombie plague while the rest of us poor bastards was fighting for our lives. This high and mighty prick managed to have a garden? Ain't nobody <laughs> can grow anything down here except algae and fungus. And he's got a garden. It ain't right, I say. It just ain't right. Gazza, PS, love the show. Give Natomi my Vox number. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say garden. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a... A loose term in the underhive, but you know, man eating plants, dangerous things like that. It's but yeah, yeah I mean, it's still a bit of a, a rubbing it in the face of the people, really. Isn't it? I,
2: th- I think my concern is that he's the focus of his anger isn't at the party, it's the fact somebody <laughs> has a garden. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, <laughs> um, no gerb letter this time round
2: No, no, we miss you, the Gerb. Can. Get right Definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely get writing.
1: If you're listening, Gerb, come on, <laughs> send us right. some So letters. yeah,
2: again, just a, a small uh, letter section this month. Yeah. Well, I say a small. One of them was a fucking War and Peace esque
1: yeah. style. That was almost worthy of pub tales. That one. No, it was a, it was an, a, an epic, an absolute yeah. epic. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, make um... a good film. So uh, <laughs> shall we move on to Patreon? <laughs> Let's do that. Right. So. Thank you very much to these people who have recently signed up to our Patreon because without you guys making this show and keeping relevant with everything that's going on would be a hell of a lot more difficult. Uh, so thank you very much, Evan Warner. And Joe Hunt, thank you. To Nicholas with little very surprised kind of emoji face at the end of it. Uh, El Garrick, thank you. Jason Brake, thank you very much for your contribution. Uh, Evan
2: Stock, thanks cheers oh Evan Stock Halverson sorry apologies thank you
1: uh, and David Geffing so everyone there may the emperor's blessings be upon you for your generous donations to Sump City Radio so thank you very much guys um, it means a lot to us
2: yes may your lines be supple and powerful
1: <laughs> uh, and moving on um, so competitions right Uh, Believe it or not, we're not actually going to do the uh, announcements for the last competition that we set because we did say that we were going to try and give people a really big time window. Now, bearing in mind that was, what, early May? And we're in the middle of June. That's kind of not far off where we said about the halfway point should be. So by the time we do the next episode, whenever that is... We will definitely announce the winners of that competition. And just as a reminder for you, or if you're just new to the show and you've jumped in on this episode, the competition was to win some Hobby Revolution Kalinski Sable Brushes. Um, And these things are really, really good as well, because me and Chris got sent some test ones, uh, so we can attest to the quality of these. And all we asked you to do was um, create a dramatis persona, completely from scratch, kit bash it, build it, paint it give it a little bit of a backstory post up the pictures in the facebook community group we've had a number of entries already so thank you to everyone who's actually created one of those to put in for the competition Uh, we've not made any decisions as of yet because we decided that we definitely still wanted to give you more time so if you want to get in on that now there is still time to do it i would say you've probably looking at at least another month
2: yeah so definitely worth taking advantage of um and if you i haven't i don't know about steve but i've personally been kind of ignoring it i've seen them as they come in so i have been seeing what people have um started submitting as entries but i've been very careful not to comment not to like on anything because i want to just go in at the end of it when it's all complete them all together and have a look at them so that me and you can just discuss which ones we which ones <laughs> yeah. we really really like I,
1: I can't say i've been as good at maybe not liking things but that's not a sign of you winning something it's the, a sign of me just going oh that's cool but the, the <laughs> thanks I thanks for the effort because
2: i thought if i catch a couple but then i miss a couple it's going to look like i don't like those ones and I certainly that that wouldn't yeah. be the case anyone who's bothered to make the effort is definitely worthy of kind of uh some celebration in my eyes so yes no.
1: very much so Um, so yeah that's anything relating to competitions Uh, something else that's worth mentioning if you haven't spotted it on the Facebook community group we do have new merch available over on the store to celebrate the release of Ash Waste so we've got our Roadshow t-shirt available with all of the tour stops that we're heading to on the back of it so uh, please go and check that out if you want to support us in an alternative way
2: yeah and thank you to the people who've uh, picked a couple up already because I've seen a couple people post and and yeah it's just really nice to kind of get that support but you get to rep us as well wherever you are.
1: Yep and speaking of additional support, um, as some of you may have heard me complaining about over numerous episodes now, the Cogitator of which I used to edit the show is not looking long for this world so I've already started to save up for a new machine which will be given the moniker of the Sump Beast once it comes into existence so if anyone does want to maybe drop me a few pennies to Help towards the cost of that. I know it's a really cheeky ask, especially given everything else, but as I say, if this computer just dies i think i'm gonna be really screwed for getting anything out episode wise so i'm trying to put as much towards this fund as quickly as possible i've already had a couple of people drop me some donations for that so thank you very much guys but uh if you do want to throw me anything over on paypal the address for that is the sump at gmail.com again uh that'll be put in the show notes i know it's a cheeky ask but if you don't ask nothing happens so thanks anyway guys um as for the thank yous and acknowledgements uh think there's only really one for this one because it's a fairly short episode isn't it and we've not had any other guests on so uh thank you very much games workshop for sending us the review items
2: yeah um really appreciate it um we wouldn't have had this episode out and uh probably wouldn't have had this stuff for a very long time unless you did this so yeah appreciate it
1: and especially gw if you're listening really really appreciating the lead time because it is meaning we can get these episodes out as close to the possible of the releases um when these items come out yeah always a
2: bonus absolutely
1: okay listeners, so that brings us to the end of this shorter episode which we've tried to put out just so that we're uh, keeping up with the release of the outlanders book so, yeah, next time around it should be a normal length episode. So, yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening. Right, Kate,
2: okay, man, wrap it up. We really need to go and pay this fine.
1: Hang on, what do you mean go and pay this fine? How, how did you not already done this? We should have done that when we were we talking about the really exciting and oh. I got distracted, didn't I? So, go oh, uh, on. Chris, Chris, the door. Shit. Yeah, uh, um, get... Right, out oh. the window on the other side, go. Yeah, go. Uh, yeah I'll right. give you a boost. Oh, get... Okay, just, right, okay
0: bye, bye, listeners. Bye, bye. listeners. See you. You've been listening to Sump City Radio. Join us next time for more hijinks in the hive and all things Necromunda. Remember to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. If you want to get more involved, join our growing Facebook community page. Just remember to answer all the damn questions. Do you want your letter read out on the show? Email us at, at gmail.com. And if your raids have been successful And you've plenty of creds to spare Why not toss a cred to your DJ Over at our Patreon page www.patreon.com Forward slash Every little bit helps support the show And thank you for listening this is the serves one the only Sump City, Radio. Sump City Radio is a registered associate of the Herzene Guild of Hive Primus, and adheres to all communication laws decreed by Lord Halmar.